in five, four, three, two, one. Homie Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your hubbearer. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motor hips, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Thursday, October 19th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. <clears throat> Coming to you from the... Oh, God, right off, right off the bat. <clears throat> right off the bat, needing the cough button. That's not a good omen for the next two and a half hours. But we are coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Visit business.louisville.edu to take your career to new heights with an MBA from the University of Louisville. The full-time MBA is an innovative 12-month program that accelerates your career trajectory with convenient in-person evening classes. Competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities provide you with valuable industry experience. It's the MBA that pays. Get started today by visiting business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 5.30. You're on 14.50 a.m., 96.1 FM, streaming all over the United States of America and beyond. It's Big X Nation, Big X Radio, Big X Sports. Uh, Mike Rutherford here. Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, back for one last day. Scoots. It's been a night. It's been a three-day whirlwind for you. You've, you've yeah. been putting in long hours. Mm-hmm. This is the last leg. You get a little half-hour break uh, today. We're gonna get off at five thirty today. Yeah, I'm pumped. I actually forgot about that. Well, heck yeah, but one of us did. But <laughs> how are you holding up? Are you ready to finish strong here today? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm I'm feeling really good. The last, I guess, yesterday went really fast for me, and then today has been super fast. I told. Actually, told TJ this morning. I think I've been with Kim them on KRC for I want to say close to three years now. And this morning show was the fastest show we've ever had. My gosh! I mean, I looked up; it was already eight thirty, and I was like, "Holy smokes! This is crazy! This show's flying by." And the afternoon shows went fast as well. So yeah, I'm I'm ready to finish strong. I got some some good food in me during the uh, break I had between Spears and your show. So good. Yeah, I'm feeling great. I'd have to imagine that doing three hours with me, especially when you are talking a fair amount i mean you are heavily featured in the show when you're on here this week would make the two-hour show where you've got two primary co-hosts go a little bit faster well and maybe that's what it was well roush was out this morning so that was the thing that that was another thing that made it weird is it was only me and tj which well we did have trivia in the first segment so we had a guest in but outside of that yeah the the shows with just me and one of them usually go pretty slow but this one this morning went super fast but yeah I think there is something to be said for doing three hours with you and then going to a two-hour show in the morning even if it is the next day it yeah it probably does help it feel a lot less like less time the bad thing is like today like I, 
I feel like, you know, it's it's your last day for the week. We have the short show. I feel like I'm going to go home tonight and just think it's Friday. For the, the, it's been a weird week already. Ooh. We've had kind of like a weird schedule. Mary's been off work, so she's been doing, like, running around town and doing some stuff around the house. And so our schedule's kind of gotten screwed up already. And I feel like all tonight I'm going to be like, I think it's Friday, and then it's going to be a rude awakening tomorrow morning. Well, don't blame that on me. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. We, we, we have plans. We're, we're doing boo at the zoo tonight. But the, okay. wet, the weather is not cooperating. No, right. it's so going to rain all night. That's what it looks like. And so we may have to to rethink that because, which sucks because you know, the, the kids have been, well, Virginia knows. John has no idea what's going on. He's, he's one. But Virginia, <laughs> she's been very much looking forward to this. She's been talking about it all week. She knows that it's today. And, like, she could probably tough it out if it was raining a little bit. But having a one-year-old as well makes it a little bit tough. So if it, it's raining too much, we may have to just take a a literal rain check and try again for another day. But. Hopefully, hopefully we can get like a nice little I don't know, hour and a half window where it's gloomy and wet, but not not too rainy. We can just tough it out. We'll see. Uh, we have lots to talk about today. I say that a lot. Today, I actually mean it because, my God, folks, the Louisville men's basketball team won a game by 41 points last night. I don't care if it was against Little Sisters of the Poor. I don't care if it was against a, a junior high team. I don't care if it was a close scrimmage that we didn't even get to watch. Louisville prevailing in convincing fashion is something that we have not had a chance to talk about in far, far too long on this show. So I'm excited to do that. Now, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. There is a, It was very much a tale of two different games and a tale of two different reactions to that, which has been kind of the Kenny Payne era in a nutshell. Two very extreme groups having two very extreme opinions on the same thing. We'll get to all that good stuff. There's a Who stumbled out of the gate more, Louisville last night or you today? Well, I didn't stumble out of the gate today. No, to start the show, you had to clear oh, your God, throat yeah, as yeah, soon you, as we you, came on air. I thought you meant like this morning in real no, life. No, 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 today no. Was, it was very much my 12 turnover moment, was doing the intro and immediately having phlegm in my throat and not having a cough button to, to rescue me. Uh, that was bad. It was, it was bad. We cut that out of the podcast. Uh, we'll talk a, a lot about the exhibition game today. There are a few other things that I want to get to. We've got a bombshell report from this, uh, this KUHearings.com site which has this investigative reporter who has um, some sources within the NCAA and the IRP and, I guess, Kansas and Louisville. He, he's, it's, it's Mike Vernon. He's released two parts now about this, the NCAA, the IARP, and the battle for independence, basically taking an inside look at just how pissed off the NCAA was that the IARP, which was the NCAA's idea, was like letting off these schools, was doing these investigations and essentially finding no wrongdoing by the schools. And there are some pretty inflammatory quotes about Rick Pitino and L. Essentially, the more that time goes on, the more, I think, evidence we get that Louisville just got absolutely reamed in all this. And Rick Pitino got absolutely reamed in all this. And hmm. I, I say that, but it's not just me saying it. I mean, these are independent people. These are Kansas people who are like, I never thought I'd feel bad for Rick Pitino, but... This seems like a, a total hit job. So we'll talk about that a little bit. we got a couple of football notes that are flying around out there. Jim Harbaugh is in trouble again. Should he be in trouble? Shocker. I don't know. Uh, we'll get to that. There's also a, a story that I want to get Scoots' reaction to. It'll be fun. But we will start with uh, with saying hello to Scooter Dingus and, and asking him how his Wednesday night was. Did you digest much sports or was it straight to bed? What was your Wednesday like? Uh, so after we got off air, I went home and I actually didn't get home till right around seven, kind of hit some traffic. I'd forgotten about the game despite just talking about it for three hours on your show, forgotten it that it was going on. So 
I tried to go through downtown, which was an absolute nightmare. So it took me a little longer to get home. I got in probably about five to seven and I flipped on the Louisville game. I had stopped and got me some dinner on the way home as well and turned on the Louisville game, took probably way too much of that in than I should have. I, I was <laughs> kind of regretful this morning how much of that that I actually watched last night. Um, and then my roommate, he had to work late uh, until about eight o'clock last night. So Wednesdays at our house is Survivor night. So I had to wait uh. wait for him to get home. And then we fired up Survivor, finished that, and I pretty much went to bed right after that. Nice. Sounds like a nice little Wednesday. It was a nice little Wednesday. You I were, did. I wish I would have had some Harry Potter time, but uh, I, I wasn't in the cards. Plenty of time. It's the, the books aren't going anywhere. They're not going to rewrite <laughs> them anytime soon. Uh, you weren't the only one that forgot about the game last night. So I, I come home. I mean, my wife had she had the dinner on Tuesday. She had another dinner last night. Her Bellarmine girlfriends. They can't. It's, they all live in different parts of the state uh, now. She's so popular. She's she's very popular. So like they, it's rare that they can all get together and celebrate. So they had like a belated birthday night for a few of them that had had birthdays in the last couple months. Uh, and so we knew about this weeks in, in advance. And so we had hired, because it's the first scrimmage and yeah, you know, this is my job, we had hired a, a babysitter to come in and help with the kids while Mary, so I can like watch the game and then get the post up on Card Chronicle and you know, do some, some actual somewhat professional stuff. And so I get home. Walked it all quickly. Do some some quick odds and ends before the game starts. Our babysitter's already over there. She's watching the kids. Like it, it's kind of a disaster, right? John, for whatever reason, our one year old is just not sleeping. Like he just has decided that he doesn't need to sleep anymore. So he mm-hmm. fights bedtime. He and then he gets he still gets up at like seven despite going to bed at like ten thirty. I don't know what what's going on with him. So it's a little bit of a, a nightmare because Madison, our babysitter, is trying to get him down, and then Virginia's super tired, so she wants to go down. So I bring her downstairs with me. The game's dragging on. It's like past nine o'clock. I'm trying to get my the quick ride up done as fast as I can while she's like falling asleep. We finally get both kids down. Mary comes home at like 10:30, and you know we're talking about how the night went and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I was trying to get the the, the game was dragging on. And Mary's like, what game? And I was like, <laughs> U of L, the, the first exhibition game. She's like, I did I know that? I'm like, why do you think we hired a babysitter? I was like, she's like, what? I don't. I thought you just like needed some help. I'm like. Why didn't we hire one last night when you also had a dinner? She's like, I, I, she's like, I just completely blanked. I had no idea. I totally forgot that there was a game. I'm like, yeah, that's why we hired help so I could write and, and watch this game. So she just had, had totally forgotten. This is a lot on her plate. We got a birthday party going sure. this weekend. She's doing classic mom stuff, and she's they work her to the bone over her other job. So it's a there's a lot going on. So I I forgave her, but also it was just kind of funny. I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, she's, did we win? I'm like, yeah, we won by a lot actually. It was it was a nice night. Which is is what we'll talk about now. It was very much. I mean, when all was said and done, first of all, I thought for a second there I was going to hit the score right on the head. I was like eighty eight fifty one cards. I was feeling pretty good at one point too. We I, both were I, right there in the realm. I think I had eighty six fifty two. Yeah, we we, we 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 both were very close. It got to the point too. Like I think when we got to eighty eight, I was like, if they hit a three here, <laughs> we hold out. I was like, I'm I'm nailing the score. I'm like, I'm, my knowledge of this team is is unparalleled. Uh, it didn't happen, but ninety one fifty was very close. The game. I'm not going to say it played out exactly the way that it, I thought it was going to, but it played out in a manner that was it led me to the the conclusion that I thought I was going to get all along, which is we won, we won convincingly, but my overall impression of the season is still kind of what it was going in. Now, for a while there, I thought like I, I mean, are we, we going to win four games again this year? Like, like, like what yeah. what the hell's going on? Louisville comes out last night, and if you haven't heard about this, I, I think you probably have, but Louisville looks bad in the first twelve minutes. They have. At the under-eight timeout, they have almost as many turnovers, 12, 
as field goal attempts. Not makes, field goal attempts. They had 13. It was as ugly and as bad as you could have ever imagined. And this is coming off of a year where we had a lot of those types of starts. And we heard a lot from Kenny Payne about coming out with a new sense of urgency, playing, you know, fighting right from the jump and all this stuff. And, and Louisville comes out and, quite frankly, does not fight. They look like they're they look like they're Simmons College. And it's a good thing that they were playing Simmons College because they're giving up all sorts of open looks. And this team, which, again, is, is not even – I don't want to just knock on Simmons College, but they're not – they don't even play in the NCAA. Mm-mm. They play in the, the NCCAA, the National Christian Colleges Association of America, and they're not even a D1 NCCAA team. They are – it is quite literally the lowest level of college basketball that you can get to. Nothing against those kids. It, it is what it is. Like Louisville has athletes in size that should overwhelm any team in like the the standard NCAA Division One or Division Two, let alone the NCCAA Division Two. You think there's any high school teams in Louisville that could have beaten them? I hate questions like that because typically the answer is absolutely not. But you had a lot of players on that that. Christian uh, the Simmons College team that were not great high school players in this area right. that, that I think would not. And, and they were pretty young. My answer would be no, but I think there's maybe a high school team or two that could give them a game. But that would make it close. But in the country, country, you would think there's a few, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, locally, no, but the, you know, probably like IMG Academy or Oak Hill, some of those. Oh, IMG yeah. would destroy them. La Lumiere, something like that. They, 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 it, those would be, it'd, it'd be a decent little series there. So Louisville comes out, though, and it doesn't look like that right from the beginning. Like You're thinking, are we going to bleep around and actually lose to Simmons College, or is this going to be a close game where we actually have to try in the second half, not just because we're tr- trying to look good and improve, but because we actually have to try fight and win this game. It, it was bad. It, like, it was, and you saw the reaction from a lot of people on social media. Immediate, I mean, I was not happy about it, but it was more like I'm at the point now where it was kind of like, I mean, what do you want me to say? Like, it, it's jokes at this point. This, this is atrocious. I don't know what's going on. We look like we're no better than we were a year ago. And to the team's credit, they didn't just wilt and, and, and continue to play completely awful basketball for, for a full 40 minutes. They had a run to end the first half where they go on a 24-1 run to go into the locker room, and they look like a competent basketball team. They look like a, they look like a team that plays in the ACC should against Simmons College for that stretch. Hmm. It, it was nice. They shot the ball well. Uh, they they increased the defensive intensity. They stopped giving up open looks. They stopped giving up open layups. And Simmons was like four of twenty on layups anyway. So you, even if you gave up the layups, it didn't really matter that much. But they were playing the type of basketball that you were like, okay, I'm not going to read too much into this, but this is this is what we want to see. And then the second half starts, and it's right back to where it was at the beginning of the game. Yeah, they it's have like deja vu. It was it was awful. I mean, and we've seen this too much basically since. The, the David Padgett season, because Chris Mack's teams, even when they were good, they had this horrible habit of looking like zombies coming out of the break after halftime. The first segment under Chris Mack of the second half, every single game, it seemed like we were just letting teams back into the game or having teams pull away from us, and it was definitely the case last year. But last year, everything was bad, so it's hard to, to pinpoint certain things like that. But we come out of the locker room, we turn the ball over on our first three possessions, on four of our first five possessions, they outscore us actually in the first segment of the second half, eleven to four, which is embarrassing because you know, there's no reason not to be just wanting to pour it on uh, th- these kids. And then from that point forward, order is, is sort of restored. Louisville starts playing the way that it was towards the end of the first half again, and it winds up being the type of, of blowout where you can name the score like we expected, ninety-one fifty. So there's 
there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of it is real, like, like what, how much we should be taking away. My hunch is not much because certainly having 22 turnovers against Simmons College is awful. Having 22 turnovers against Duke is, is awful. Having 22 against Simmons College is almost unthinkable. Like that, that can't happen again. Like th- that needs to get nipped in the bud. It was a huge issue last year. We were 331st in the country when it came to turnovers. Only 32 teams in all of Division One were worse. And we come out and right from the jump, we look like we have the same Achilles heel that, that, that was our biggest one from last season. But if you're looking at the flip side, uh, the shooting was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Like you had, you had more outside shots go down than I, than I thought. You know, we were 8 of 19 from 3. At one point, I think we were like 8 of 15. Uh, Curtis Williams, I, I think, is a guy that you circle and say more ready to play right from the jump than I thought he was going to be and probably than a lot of people thought he was going to be. He just looks like a player. He's smooth. He had a great finish in transition. The outside shot is, is picture perfect. He's got a quick release. He, he just looks like a guy that you can build around. He was 5 of 6 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. Led the team in scoring with, uh, I believe, 15 points. Is that right? 15 points. And, like... That was great to see. I, I thought Caleb Glenn looked good. The, the the freshmen all pretty much looked solid. Caleb Glenn was great uh, for stretches. Dennis Evans was doing Dennis stuff, dunking without jumping. His dunks were so fun. I mean, it's just he the the angles that he had to take to throw some of those down were just super impressive. I think it was the first two he had. I was like, "There's no way he's dunking this," and then he somehow just found a way to the rim and threw it down. I was like, "My gosh!" The third dunk was the one where he goes up two hand crams and it goes like straight down through the basket <laughs> and then bounces so high that it goes back above the rim. It was like me dunking on my son's Fisher Price goal, <laughs> which was all, like we haven't had a player that can do that. I mean, I've already I, I said this on the podcast that we recorded earlier today. It's so obvious already to me. Like Dennis is the is the favorite child. Like Dennis can do no wrong in my eyes. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very hard on everybody this year. But if Dennis does the exact same stuff, I'm gonna be like, oh Dennis, oh, he, he he's adorable. Like Sky misses one free throw. I'm like, come on, Sky. <laughs> Dennis misses seven free throws in a row, and I'm like, he's he's getting better. He's working on it, guys. He's, he's just let, just let Dennis be Dennis. They were a little exhausting on the broadcast though, talking just like just gotta get it on the rim. He'll go up and get it. He'll, and then every time he would dunk, they would. Had the dunk counter, and I mean, I know they were having fun, but against Simmons little, College, yeah, got yeah. a little exhausting. I mean, we could have literally against them. They had what one player who was taller than six five. We could have just yeah. you could have just thrown it as high as you want, right. and then just like have Dennis catch it and dunk it. That could have been our our offense for every single half court possession. Um, but he, I mean, he looks like he's. You know what you're going to get on the defensive end with him. Like he's going to alter shots. He does have great instincts defensively. All of that. The, the, the scouting report on him coming out of high school, it seems like it was, it's legit. He also he rebounded the ball better in this game. You'd expect a guy that big against a team like Simmons to have nine rebounds. Although I think that you know, Trevor w- was sort of upset with the way that he rebounded in the red-white game. Being that tall in this day and age doesn't necessarily mean that you should be getting 12 to 13 rebounds a game at this level because everybody now is, is pulling big men away from the basket on defense. You've got fives that can shoot from the corner, fives that can shoot from three. And so when you have a guy that is, you know, that big but also moves a little bit slower than everybody else, it's understandable why a more like six seven athletic dude like a Trey White could end up with more rebounds in a game than than Dennis Evans. But he did rebound his position well last night. I thought he looked good. I mean, I don't know how you felt about this. I don't even know how the the fans felt about this. The platoon thing to me was weird. Yeah, the fact that we came out with a 
Yeah, the, the starting you saw the starting lineup, and I was like, right away, I'm like, he's going to do a platoon thing because these are not the five best players we have. I think he's just kind of mixing and matching, and then there'll be something that he asks from the, the second unit that he wants a little bit different than the first unit, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, we we had the the first team comes out, they pretty they play pretty standard, and it's obvious that with the second team, he he has them full court pressing, he has them pressuring across half court, he has them running a little bit of a different offense. It, it, it's just a a different flow to it, and so. That was very clearly by design. He said after the game that he's doing the platoon thing to try and see which players can can hack it in the system and in the flow of a game and which can't. That that that's fine because it's this early in a season. We we I mean we were the first team in Division One to play an exhibition game. We, we that was a insanely early game. Our previous earliest exhibition game ever in the history of the program was October twenty sixth against Pikeville in twenty eleven, which is that's via Kelly Dickey. So we played a full eight days earlier than any game. So if you're just experimenting with stuff because you've only been practicing full go for, for three or four weeks, that's fine. But it's, it's strange to me that we're sitting here and he's talking about Sky Clark, your certain point guard, and Trey White. You say what? Are we sure Sky Clark's certain point guard? We are sure. We, 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 we are sure. I mean, at least to start the season for certain. He, he is starting at point guard. Kenny I loves it. After, after what I saw last night, I'd much rather have Tyler. Really? Already? Yeah. Well, I mean, he had he had the early turnovers, he, but I mean, I think he was just finding his footing. I think as the game went on, Tyler was better and better. He was fine. Sky yeah. Sky just did nothing to impress me last night. I mean, he, he wasn't as good as I wanted to be. He did end up finishing with six assists to two turnovers, which is you know better. Tyler Johnson had uh, four assists and or two assists and four turnovers. I thought he had more than that, but I think they maybe shortchanging Tyler a little bit in the box score because he had, he had a few possessions in a row where he made really good passes. But Sky Clark's going to start the season at point guard. Trey White is, by all accounts, everybody who's been to a practice, everyone who's watched this team play at any point, he's your most talented player. He's the most likely guy on the team to lead the team in scoring. He's going to have to play with Sky Clark at some point. And you had Kenny Payne on Tuesday saying he hasn't even played them together in practice. Like, like they're always against each other. They're always on different teams. And they come out, and last night, they spend one minute on the court together, and it was only because Trey White was shooting a free throw and was about to get subbed out and missed the free throw, so he had to stay on for another minute until the next whistle. Like That, to me, is, is strange that you've got two guys who are very clearly two of your best players or two of your most important players who aren't playing alongside one another. I don't, like, I don't think that this is a thing that he's going to do in the season. And if that's the case, like, okay, cool, we did that for a game. Maybe you found out what you needed to find out. Let's get our best players playing together in practice, and then when we're ready to play Wesleyan in 11 days, let's go ahead and run the lineup out there that we want to be our starting five of the actual season because I know depth is a strength of this team. It's not so much of a strength that we can do the Kentucky 2015 thing and have a platoon situation. And I think you saw that firsthand last night because, look, I'll just say it. like Karan Davis, there was a lot of intrigue about him because he was such an odd recruitment. He looked completely completely lost last night. Like, mm-hmm. like he looked like a guy that you you can't play in a game that actually means something. So while you may think that we're 13 14 deep, it's probably closer to like 8 or 9 and you want to shorten that rotation down as the season goes on and you want more minutes for I mean Trey White only ended up playing like uh, I think 16 minutes last night. Like he's he's your best player. In a game that matters, Trey White needs to be playing 35 minutes a game. And I don't think you can do this platoon thing if that's if you're going to be splitting up him and your best player. I don't think it's here to stay. Let me just say that. But it was sort of weird to see that run out in the first exhibition game. 
Here's my thoughts. You all won four games last year. Why not just take everybody on the team, pick their names out of a hat. You're on the first platoon. You're going to sit back. Say say he does that. Say he just switches no, it up, no, throws the platoons no, in there. No, no. You've got your pressing unit, and you've got your normal unit, and just draw their names out of a hat, see who's on what team that day, and run that out there. I mean, what the heck? Let me end up with Dennis running let's, this point. Let's try something. It's like Dennis Evans, J.J. Trainer, Emmanuel Corafor, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield all in the same unit. It'd go poorly. That's the issue is we don't have enough guards. We have, I don't know if you've heard this complaint. We don't have a, a, a whole lot of ball handlers on this team. I do think to your point, though, I, I thought Tyler Johnson looked good. I, he, he's, he's going to be the – you are contractually obligated when you talk about a New York City point guard to mention that they are a New York City point guard, right? Like That's, that's yeah. basketball 101. Rules is rules. Rules is rules. They give you the pamphlet when you sign up for a, a radio show. He is a a classic New York City point guard in that he is prone to maybe making an excitable play or two that he shouldn't, maybe over-penetrating, maybe leaving his feet without a, a real plan. You saw a little bit of that early on in his stint last night, but you also saw a guy who is very capable of getting into the lane, who, once he did settle down, made the right skip pass to the open shooter on the wing. I, I think that he's going to be a guy that, gambles defensively, which we need a little bit of that. We, we had guys last year, I mean, we were terrible when it came to, I still don't know what we're trying to do on defense, which is a problem, but we had a, a defense that sat back, didn't gamble, didn't force really hardly any turnovers, but then you never had the, 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 the give with that take, which is supposed to be if you sit back, you're forcing tough outside shots and you're owning the defensive glass. That's, that's the, the pack line principle, but that's, I know we're not playing a pack line, but it's hard to tell what we're playing sometimes. If you're going to give up easy shots and, and a lot of offensive rebounds anyway, why not gamble for a bunch of steals and try to force some turnovers and get some easy points? We never did that last year. Tyler Johnson is that guy on defense. He, he is a steal hunter. He may wind up giving up a, a couple of easy buckets or a couple of, of you know situations where he gives an advantage to the opposing ball handler. I'm fine with that as long as he gets a couple of steals a game. Like I, I think we need a little bit of that. Somebody who's going to shake things up defensively, and he definitely seems to be that type of player. I liked what I saw from him. I think he's going to wind up being one of those guys who's like a a fan favorite slash fan doghouse guy because he, he he's liable to come in and make three or four really good plays in a row, but he's just as likely to come in and make two or three really head-scratching plays uh, in a row. Well, but, and we got to keep in mind, he's been on campus for less than a month, right? Well, he's been on campus for longer than that. Well, he's been with the team for less than a month. He's been well, he's been he, he was allowed to practice before he was declared. Oh, okay. But he's he was a late arrival. He didn't get here until I think like midsummer. So he's he hasn't been here quite as long as the other guys. But he's been practicing since he got here. Uh, but he's been you know I, I'm sure it was a mental load off his shoulders to find out that he actually was eligible. It's hard to go as as hard as you need to when in the back of your mind you're True. probably thinking like this this is all for so I can sit on the bench during the season. I'm sure he's probably picked it up a notch since he got declared eligible. But I I, I like what I saw from Tyler Johnson. The the bigs to me outside of Dennis were concerning. Brandon Huntley Hatfield looked a whole lot like he did last year, which is yeah. not a compliment. That's I mean, he was very little impact on the game. Um, the one time that he did try to make a, a aggressive play, he got blocked, which should not ha- happen when you're a former five-star kid with that body type against Simmons College. Emmanuel Okorafor didn't look great either, really made no imprint on the game. Uh, I mean, it was basically like, Dennis doing stuff, and then the other bigs. J.J. Trainer was, was fine. He, he brought his typical energy. He had a couple of putbacks, um, got to the free throw line a few times, had, I mean, he's you know, he, three blocks. He, he did what you expect J.J. Trainer to do, but I think there's a limit there as far as his ceiling is concerned. 
he's going to be an energy guy. He's going to be a guy that helps you out a lot, but he's not going to be a superstar inside. Huntley Hatfield is the guy with the potential that I think we really need to have a big season if we're going to be an NCAA tournament caliber team. And he did not look like he made much of a leap, if we're just being honest. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's that, that's concerning to me. Outside of that, I, I mean, Hersey Miller played, Aiden McCool played. Didn't see a whole lot from either one of those guys. I, I think that your concerns about Sky Clark are valid. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not fair, you know? It's it's one exhibition game, as you mentioned, played eight days earlier than any other exhibition game in Louisville history. So looking back on that statement, I, I need to give it more time before I pass judgment like that because while I did think he wasn't great last night, he's got the hype for the reason. For a reason. I, I think he's fine. I I, I think that he, he was he, he shot the ball poorly last night, which was gonna make any stat line look worse than it was. He did have six assists, which is is what you want from your point guard. Uh, two turnovers, which is, compared to everybody else, not, not a whole lot. <laughs> My issue is, he, he doesn't look... I was hoping he was going to be more dynamic, and maybe he will be, but after seeing him in the red-white scrimmage and now in this game, he looks like he's just more... Like, like he's under control, which is good. But when you saw some of the highlights of him at Illinois last season, when he and he was very much a feast or famine player in the, the few games that he played, he had some dynamic highlights where you're like, damn, like that, that kid's, I could see why he had five-star potential. You didn't see a whole lot of that last night. He missed a couple of shots to the rim. He got to the rim a few times, but he wasn't like he wasn't light years better than the Simmons College guards, which well, made you concerned. Well, and maybe it it maybe it was his complacency out there that gives me that mindset of last night that he wasn't all that great. Yeah, I don't know. I just maybe my expectations were too high. I don't I don't know what it is, but I was not impressed. I think they also like they were being very deliberate with the offense. They were very clearly trying to to, to kind of do what Kenny Payne wanted, you know, make sure that we're sharing the ball enough, make sure that the ball's moving quickly. I think almost to a fault. Like, you're, when you're trying to impress the coach that much, it takes away some of the – I mean, Kenny Payne wants to run this – the new modern positionless style where, where you essentially don't have set plays. It's just all free flow of an offense. You have a basic idea of what you want to do, and then it's up to the players to kind of freestyle it and, and make it work in the way that they want to make it work. And so as the season goes on and the players have more trust, I think you'll see players take more chances and be like, I, you know, I'm just going to beat my guy off the dribble right now and go because it's open. But right now, I think that after last season was such a colossal failure, Payne has probably hammered home the fundamentals in this group and make sure the ball's constantly moving and make sure that we're not shooting too quickly and, and all this stuff. And I think players were probably a little bit overdoing it, especially at the beginning of the game last night, which is understandable. Um, this has all been a very long-winded way of saying, at the end of the day, my opinion of this team and my outlook for the season has not really changed at all. Based on this, I think I still think it's a 13 to 18 win team that's never really flirted with the NCAA tournament, but does take steps forward from where we were last year, which should not be hard to do. But but you know we have more talent, we should look more competent. This this team hopefully will be more together and more driven. We also have a, a lighter schedule for sure. The ACC will see how good the, the conference is, but the non-conference schedule is about as as weak as we could have scheduled. They should be able to stockpile some wins early in the season. The the question is just going to become, you know, is fifteen and seventeen good enough for you? Like, is seventeen and fifteen good enough for you? And it's not. It's more nuanced than that. And I say this every single time the question comes up: How many games does he need to win? What does he need to do? You know, the, the, there are different. 17 and 15 is out there. If you're 17 and 15 and, you know, 
you looked like you could have easily been 25 and 10 or whatever the, the record would have been if you just played a little harder or had a better coaching. That's one thing. If you pass the eyeball test and it's like, hey, man, we just we had a lot of young guys, a lot of newcomers. It took a while for them to come together. But you can see the direction this program's headed. You can see the vision here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another thing. Like I think it's all going to come down to that, which as a fan that wants to see the program return to prominence as soon as possible is kind of, I don't, I don't want to say it's the worst case scenario, but it sort of feels like the worst case scenario. In year two, after a historic, terrible season, you want to know overwhelmingly this coach is the guy or this coach isn't the guy. And so, I, I mean, obviously my preference is like we go out there and we win 35 games this year and go to a Final Four or, you know, at least make the NCAA tournament, and it's very clear that Kenny Payne has the chops that we all were hoping he was when he was hired, or we win like eight games, and it's very clear that it's just, this just isn't going to work, and we can go ahead and move on and try again and bring in somebody who hopefully can restore this program to where it's going to be. Being in limbo, being in purgatory to me, is it's the Satterfield thing, where it's like, I, you know, cool, we're 6-6 six and six and we're going to the military bowl. I, I'd prefer you kind of go 2-10 and 10, so we could go ahead and, and try to get on to, to greener pastures if you're not going to go nine and three or eight and four or ten and two, like that's I, I think that's the the situation that we're walking into this year. And ultimately, I do believe that's where we're going to end up. And this is going to be a huge debate for yet another year. We'll see. Do you uh, any interest in a Trevor style bet with me that Louisville doesn't go five hundred? No, because I think that <laughs> they, I think there's a very realistic possibility that they don't. I, I think they're going to be around five hundred. I, I think a couple games below, a couple games above, maybe right there. Like I. That, that's the ballpark where I think they're going to wind up being. So I'm not overwhelmingly certain they're going to be like two games above 500 or two games below 500, but I think they'll be around that area. Smart man. Yeah. By the way, I know we have to go to a break, and we can get to it after the break. This is what we call radio tease. I have a massive issue with Yum Center. Okay. Massive I want to hear that. After the break, Scoot's massive issue with the KFC Yum Center and more coming your way on the Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1. The Big X. Drop me up. The jukebox if I die. Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. Fill my boots up with sand, put a stiff drink in my hand. Prop me up beside the jukebox if I die. back in Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Excuse me, I'm an early 90s country guy, late 80s country guy. Yeah. I was never an achy, breaky heart guy. Oh. Never got into it. So, admittedly, and I don't I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I had four songs for today, knew I needed five for all of our intros and outros, and I was really kind of stumped on what the fifth one should be. So I was I knew Troy was out in the lobby. So I just left my studio and I was like, "Hey Troy, favorite 90s song? 90s country song." And very, that was his answer. He said either that or Friends in Low Places. I thought Achy Breaky Heart with the way the game started last night, I thought that fit. More fitting. I I'm fine with that. I think my big issue, I was never a big Achy Breaky Heart guy to begin with. But then in 3rd grade, 
Shout out to Wilder Elementary. <laughs> we had a like gym was my favorite thing growing up because like I, I like I just I love sports. I loved. I felt like I was good at them. I love showing off a little bit. Like I, I love gym class. Sure. And for like a month in third grade in gym class, we all we did was learn how to line dance to achy breaky hard. <laughs> Which I can only imagine trying to explain life to. I feel like that's a stereotype that Europeans have of America that they're like, "Oh, you're just line dancing and you're learning achy breaky hard in the middle of school." And actually, yes, that, that was exactly accurate. I, I know a lot of other schools did that too, which seems like a very weird thing in hindsight that we all put that together. And the only thing that I remember is we would do we practice this constantly. Please tell me you still know it. Uh, a little bit, <laughs> a, a little bit. Like I, I know I, I can do the whole. I mean, it was just like the very basic like line dance, like yeah. the tap in, tap out, <laughs> double tap, spin. Like it, it was that. But like we would listen to the song and do the 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 line dance, and then I guess she had the PE teacher had it on like a tape, and so whenever it ended, it would always lead into the very beginning of the electric slide. And I didn't know what the electric slide was as, a, as an eight year old kid. And so all I ever heard of the song before she turned it off was like it's electric. And so I was just like, why? What? Like, what? What is this? Like, what? What? Like, why is this on the tape? And so like I, when when I got older and people were talking about the electric slide, I'm like, oh yeah, the it's electric song. That's that's, that's how I know it. Anyway, uh, shout out to Billy Ray Cyrus. We love you. Thanks for listening to the show, Scoots. Before the break, you said you know, we've been talking about the Louisville exhibition victory over Simmons College last night. You said that you have a massive problem with the KFCM Center. I do. I'd like to hear it. Well, I'm hoping this isn't a problem that's been a problem for a while and I just haven't noticed. Uh, I like to think with as much as I've watched Louisville over the years that I would have noticed this in the past, but what in the hell are those nets? Worst nets I've ever seen on a college basketball goal in my entire life. They did not move, Mike. Really? They did not move. They were stiff. TJ said the same thing this morning. I don't know how you all couldn't notice. Interesting. They did. There is no movement on those nets whatsoever. And for a guy who grew up watching basketball, I, did, I never really like played in an organized level, but I always played in my yard. And we always had the nice long nylon nets that when you splash one home, you splash one home. That that was non-existent last night. There were guys that put it right through the cylinder, didn't touch any of the cylinder, and the net just doesn't move. I don't. Think, I, I didn't notice it at all. Go now, back and watch, and it will drive you nuts. I used to because there, there was a thing growing up, and I don't know if this was actually true or not. But my dad would always say it, and I, I, I believe him because I think that it is like people would do this. But when people would play Louisville back when they were the running gun Cardinals, you would you you would conspicuously have opponents who would have very tight nets, so you know the ball kind of like hung up there a little bit, and you couldn't just take the ball after a made shot and go and try to get an easy basket. Mm-hmm. And I do think that some opponents do that on purpose. Now, Louisville historically has had nets like the ones that you're talking about where you know, they don't move at all, so you can just get it and go and run up and down or set the press up or what have you. I don't. I, I didn't notice it last night. My, I'm going to have to check it out. See, I only noticed because that is my favorite thing in basketball nets. is when somebody just shoots a shot so pure that the net flows up and you get the chance, you know, it, you've seen it happen where it flows up and it can get stuck on the rim. Like, I want the nets like that, you know? Like, I want I want it to be a display when someone drains a shot. And last night, you just didn't get any of that, and it took a lot away from, from it for me. I, I saw, there was a question, this is going to get graphic, but whatever, it's the Mike Rutherford show, it's Thursday, it's almost Friday. There was, I saw a question floating around the other day, and it was like, what's a non-sexual experience that almost feels like it's like orgasmic. And the first thing that came to my mind was taking like a very deep three 
and knowing that it's in, like right when it leaves your hand, oh, yeah. and then like watching it rip the net, like here, like that sound is one of the best sounds in the entire world. Right. It's like that, like it just it, it feels so good. Like that was that was literally my first thought. I'm sure that if I thought harder, I could have come up with something else. But that was the the first thing that came to my mind. It's like the best, especially when you've like, and again, like I, I didn't. I love playing basketball. I was always just a shooter. Like, that's all I could ever do. So, right. I never played at a super high level. But I did have experiences every now and then where, whether it's pickup or what have you, you've made three or four in a row. And, like, you get in that, to that point where you know, like, if it touches my hands, like, it, it's going in. As long as I can get a clean look at the basket, get the shot off, it's going to go in. There are a few better feelings in the entire world than that. And, and then when you let it go, the second it leaves your hand, being like, eh. It's in. I'm going to watch the net rip now. It's, it's a cool feeling. It's a so, great feeling. So, TJ just actually texted me a picture of the nets from last night. Said the nets okay. were totally normal, which I've, I've got to – they are normal looking, yes. And maybe in due time, maybe three, four, five games more in the Yum Center, they'll become less stiff. But there were no move. there's no movement in those nets. I didn't notice. I, I did not notice. Drove, now, drove me absolutely nuts. The other thing about the Yum Center last night, first of all, we had uh, Ted Valentine on the call last night, which is kind of crazy for an exhibition game. Yeah, to it see was, yeah. TV Ted do I mean, when like, don't get me wrong. I was thrilled that we were blowing out Simmons College, and I was like, yeah, this, it's, it's great actually watching a game, whether it's an exhibition or a real game or whatever, where we're up by 35 late. But, like, you know, I, like I said, like, my daughter's ready to go to sleep. Like, I, the, the game is kind of dragging. It's past 9 o'clock, and TV Ted is, like, going to the monitor to check a possible elbow with six minutes left. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's, let's – Let's not do this. We 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 don't need the intentional foul. I'm fine with it. Just call it a common foul. Let's move this, get this show on the road. But the other thing about the Yum Center last night, so they announced the attendance as eleven thousand one hundred eighteen. <laughs> it certainly minus six thousand. It certainly looked to me, and it looked to everyone that had attended both, that the crowd was noticeably less than we're at the red white scrimmage. I mean, I, I think it was probably closer to like four thousand. Uh, yeah, forty five hundred maybe looked like two on TV. It was a very, 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 very sparse crowd. So much so that when I saw the first picture, I was like, "Yeah, you know, it hurts my soul a little bit." Like, you think that you would get used to it after the last couple of years where attendance has been dwindling, but even for an exhibition game, I, mean, I remember going to exhibition games like super hungover ten or eleven years ago, but you still felt like you had to go because it was like it was a ticket. It was Louisville basketball for God's sake, and the lower bowl was packed, and the upper level was still had some people there. And and I saw the thing. The other thing that stood out to me about the the pregame picture was the poor like four or five people that were still sitting in the upper level. I'm like guys, you you can move down. It, it's it's fine. You could you know you don't have to be MacGyver here to figure out your way. By the way, I'm hearing a warning going outside. Same. There. Is that do we need to get out of here? Is there a tornado warning now? No, it looks sounds like it's on someone's phone. Okay, it's all that's, right. That's okay. It, it's better than the time where there were like tornado warnings everywhere, and we kept oh, getting knocked off the air. I was here. Yeah, we were like, "Do we go somewhere? Yeah. Like, what's going on?" That was a wild day. Trevor was here for one of the other days too, where we kept like Trevor's like last words. Yeah, like, you kept being like, "Let me say something before we go off the air." Like, sure enough, like we went off the air because <laughs> the lights would flicker, and then ten seconds later we would get knocked off the air. But this would be a bad place to be in a, a tornado or a severe weather situation. It's I don't know. A lot of concrete. Well, I think we'd be all right. It's awfully small, Scoots. The houses in the neighborhood behind us would probably knock down the tornado for got to us. I, I love your optimism. <laughs> I, I love your confidence. But the crowd last night was it was bad. And we'll see how it is for Kentucky Wesleyan. Maybe that'll be a little bit better considering that will be um, maybe more manageable time being on, on the 30th, which will be uh, Sunday, I believe. Is that right? No, it'll be Monday. So, so no. Take, <laughs> scratch that. I take it back. Monday probably won't be any better. But hopefully – by the time we get to the actual games, November 6th, we'll have a, a solid crowd. Um, 
I don't. I mean, I feel like I, I don't have any parting thoughts on this game. I feel like we can get to the text line. I mean, it's hard to, you it, know, it's an exhibition game in the middle of October. That's my big thing too. It, your your is, whole blessing out of this thing was getting to watch basketball in the middle of October. Doesn't it, at this point, it doesn't really matter. And it's you know? not even like an exhibition game. Like th- right. this, this is a. It was a let me do you a favor, Simmons College game. Exactly, and you know we we saw them a few years ago. It was very much the same thing. We won by forty nine uh, before Chris Mack's first year, and that was a game where. They really called the dogs off in the second half and could have easily won by 85 if they wanted to. So I feel like any grand takes one way or the other, like, and I'm not just saying like, Hey, don't, don't be positive about this. I'm saying don't be overly negative too about like the turnovers were glaring, but we shot the ball. Well, and we won by 41 points. Like it's not nothing, but it's also not something that I'm going to run to the bank. I mean, some people were, were in my messages last night saying like, I think the offense looks better. Like, am I wrong to be like, optimistic about this and I kind of had to be like yeah like this this quickly because this is a team that gave up 111 points to IU Southeast last year the fact that we're like I don't think you can make any sort of sweeping observations based on what you saw last night but I do think that you can take away some stuff individually hey in all fairness I saw IUS Southeast or IU Southeast twice last year they're pretty good squad well for comparison's (laughs) sake we can do a little uh we can do a little they beat they beat they beat so IU Southeast did hammer Simmons last year and, and dropped 111 points on him. IU Southeast also lost to Kentucky Wesleyan by 25. So you're going to get a, a, a tougher test. Wesleyan was, I think, 15 and 14 last year. They weren't competing for a national title or anything like that. They lost in the first round of their conference tournament. So they weren't a great team. It will still be a, a much better test than, than Simmons College was. And I sent that tweet out last night where I was like, after we had 12 turnovers in like the game's first 25 possessions, I was like, if they do this against Kentucky Wesleyan, they'll get beat. And that's not any great tip of the cap to Wesleyan. I'm not saying that they're a, a, a terrific uh, lower-level team. I'm just saying you can't do that against virtually anybody that plays NCAA college basketball and still win the game. So let, let's, let's clean it up a little bit. The one guy that I think we haven't mentioned that we probably should is Mike James, who I think is giving mm-hmm. you – what you expect from Mike James after you saw him last year? Hard nosed kid. He's shooting the well, the, the ball well from the outside so far. Two of three uh, in this game from beyond the arc. He was four of five, I think, in the red white scrimmage. Also, still very like his bread and butter. I think is going to be driving and finishing in traffic. I thought he played well last night. Seven rebounds, one assist, one turnover. Had a block shot. Uh, he's kind of. I think he's a guy that's going to be easy to overlook because he's a known commodity, and you know what you're going to get from him. Also, he can step up and be a, a solid leader for this team. I was a little bit, they announced yesterday, and we didn't have a chance to get to it on the show, they announced the player representatives for next week's ACC Media Days. And there was a part of me that was surprised that it wasn't like Sky Clark or, or, or Trey White or somebody that has been in the program for a while, that they not been in the program for a while, but who has leadership ability. It's going to be uh, J.J. Trainer, and I think, now, now I'm struggling to remember who the other one is. Um, not Mike James. And Mike James, that's what led me to this. Yeah, those two guys are going to represent the team, and I think it makes sense. The two guys that have been in the program the longest. James is only a sophomore, but he's a redshirt sophomore because he had the the ACL injury a couple of seasons ago. And then JJ Trainer, it feels like he's been here for a billion years, but it's actually just his his fourth season with the program. So two guys that I think play the right way. Clearly, two guys that Kenny Payne I think trusts, um, not just in their abilities, but their their willingness to listen, to be coachable, and to, to get their teammates and hold them accountable. So I, I think those are fine representatives for the program next week. How many minutes did Trainer play last night? He played. He ran with that second team. 
So he played, let's see. Yeah, I just don't remember seeing him out there all that much. He played 17 minutes. Okay. So it was less, the, 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 the group that started, it looks like they all played about 23 minutes or so. And that second team, they were more in that 16 to 17 minute range. Now, some, they, they mixed and matched a little bit more in the second half. But yeah. Trainer, I mean, he had 10 points, he had six rebounds. He was three or four from the field. He went four or four from the free throw line. But his, his points were, it was kind of like JJ classic stuff where he just like, it was a lot of cleaning up around the rim. Guy missed a shot. He's bigger than everybody else. He gets a rebound. He puts it back in. Like that was, that was how he scored the bulk of his points. I thought it was funny late in that second half when Louisville made just one substitution and Jody called it out. Oh, just a single substitution yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was pretty good. I did. Yeah. Jody and Kent were, they were entertaining. They were entertaining. Like Jody was a, critical in the first half which he was a lot of people like to give Jody a hard time for not being critical but he was like he straight he was calling it the way it was he was like this is this is pretty bad and I will one thing also thing that I want to mention before we take a break this hour the post-game press conference I actually was kind of proud of Kenny Payne the way that he handled it because I was thinking it was going to be a whole lot of you know you know making excuses for the way that they played at the beginning of the game and saying at the end of the day, we just needed to win a game and winning by 41 and playing the. I, I thought it was going to be kind of just just shining this whole thing and, and saying it was an overwhelmingly great night for us. And he didn't do that. Like, like he came out and and talked about how disappointed he was in the fact that the team wasn't ready to play right from the jump. Yeah, he did make mention of the fact that some guys had some jitters, which I, I mean, I understand. Like you've got you've got some returnees. You've got some guys that have played in this place before. You've got some guys that have played for big programs before. You also had a lot of guys that were stepping into this environment in that arena for the very first time. And when that's the case, it doesn't matter how big you were in high school or, you know, where you played the, the year before. Like, you, you're probably going to be a little bit nervous, especially when you've heard so much from the fan base about what they expect from you in year two. And, you know, go out and save your head coach's job and, and get us back to being Louisville basketball. Like, I can see why they were a little bit, a little bit nervy. And also, like we talked about earlier, they've only been practicing together for, for four weeks. But, Payne did express his disappointment in the fact that they came out and looked kind of like last year's team after doing this whole song and dance about how we've made this massive upgrade in talent, massive upgrade in attitude, massive upgrade in chemistry. The first 12 minutes look a lot like what we saw a year ago, and Payne didn't run from that. I think he talked about his disappointment, and that was that was good. I, I like it. I mean, I, I think that the fan base wants more of Kenny Payne understanding how we feel, you know, being critical at times and not just saying, yeah, it's, you know, you know, Kenny Payne's laughing off the losses. We're not laughing off the losses. We're not, you know, yucking it up and shaking hands with John Calipari. I think we want more of that this year where he seems genuinely pissed off when things don't go well and more willing to hold his players and his coaching staff and himself accountable when that's the case. Let's also not forget that he confused the red white game with the blue white game. Should Louisville fans that be, was, that be, was embarrassing. Should Louisville fans be bothered by that? Maybe a little bit, just because he is in year two. If, I feel like if that's a year one mistake, no big deal. But man, my man, initial, what a slip that was! It, it was a, it's a bad slip for sure. My initial inclination is to not make that big of a deal about it. Like I, I think there are, I don't know, seven hundred and fifty things that you can get more upset about over yeah, the last year and a sure. half than than accidentally saying blue white scrimmage. It's not great. It doesn't make me feel good, <laughs> but I don't think it was like malicious or anything like that. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we can talk more about that. If that. I forgot, I actually kind of forgot about that. <laughs> Four o'clock hours on the way. We'll turn things over to you guys on the Thornton's text line as well. 502-414-1450. It's the Rutherford Show, Thursday edition on 1450, The Big X. My heart, my
gets hotter than a hoochie coochie. We laid rubber on the Georgia asphalt. We got a little crazy, but we never got caught. Down by the it's a catchy song. Can't be in a bad mood. No. Any song that says hoochie coochie. It does. And also, <laughs> so I settle for a burger and a grape snow cone. One of the greatest transitions in all of music history. I was willing, but she wasn't ready. So I settled for a burger and a grape snow cone. <laughs> like that's a fair trade-off. Dropped her off early, but I never went home. <laughs> Welcome back in. Hour number two, Mike Rutherford Show. Thursday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. Are we back up on 96.1? I keep saying that. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good for our replay this morning. Okay. And then Spears said it was good before he went on air. And I know when I went on my break, it was good. So. I don't want to lie to the people. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm telling the truth. So 1450. I assume it's all over. There was an LG&E guy here today. So maybe he was coming to apologize. I thought there was a police car here, too. Ooh. Earlier. I was like, ooh. This is it. Trevor's not working today. Sorry, pal. There was so <laughs> there was there was one time, quite literally, this is like a, a month and a half ago, where we were still at the OG studios in Jeffersonville. And I I got in my car and Trevor came out too. He didn't stay, but he was going to his car to do Trevor stuff before he like came back in and did a bats game. And like two cops come in, like, like at the same time. And I was like, Oh God. I was like, I was like, they're coming to get him. I was like, they're here for him. It's finally happening. And and like they were just like they, they did a thing where like, they pulled up next to each other and were just having a conversation about something yeah. and then they left. But for a split second, I was like, oh, God. I'm like, I'm going to have to be a witness. They're going to talk to me. They're going to ask me, like, what's this guy been up to? Here we go. And I'm going to have to be like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I got very nervous for a split second. But thankfully, Trevor's still living the free life. Uh, we've been talking a lot today about the, the, the UofL exhibition game, uh, the win over Sims College. 91-50 to 50 was the final score. Cards take care of business. You mentioned right before the break, I guess I do owe it because I haven't glanced at the text line yet. I guarantee that we've received multiple texts about this. The fact that Kenny Payne at one point during his post-game press conference slipped up and did say blue-white game instead of red-white game. I had I took questions for the podcast this morning, and I had like seven awesome variation of like making a joke or or being legitimately pissed off about Payne slipping up here. Like on one hand, like I did I, I do cringe when I when, when I see stuff like that. It's bad. Like you never want. It reminds you that he was a player here who did coach for the dark side for a number of years, but at the same time, like I. I have a hard time making that big of a deal out of it. Like I don't, I don't think it was a gigantic deal. They did used to have a blue-white scrimmage. I guess that's in its mind a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it's it's not the best look in the world. It's not quite as bad as your interim president at the commencement speech, giving her commencement speech at graduation, saying, you know, University of Kentucky instead of Louisville. Like that was that was a bad. Yeah, moment. that's way worse. That shouldn't have happened. This well, was just a quick slip of the tongue. And well, and Kenny spent eleven years at Kentucky, so understandable that it would happen. But yeah, no doubt. Like thinking about that, the president, president worse for sure. I, I mean, know. this is the equivalent of say you're dating or you're married. Say you're married to Mary for eleven years, and God forbid y'all get a divorce, and then yeah. you get married again, and that's like you calling your new wife Mary. Like it's bound to happen, you know. People probably make mistakes. Would, I think it would go over just as well in that situation oh, as it, this one did. Yeah, though. it wouldn't. It'd probably be uglier, actually. <laughs> I do find myself a lot of time, especially like when I get frustrated. Like I, I will say, because I, I get frustrated with the kids a lot now, and I'll it, 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 if I get frustrated with with Mary, sometimes I'll be like, I'll be like, sweetheart, and, and like so when so when, like when Virginia like it says something that kind of drives me crazy, I'm like, sweetheart. Like I don't mean to, like <laughs> to talk, to call her that, but I, I I get it. But at the same time, like it's you know it's time to cut that off. It's time <laughs> to stop that. Done. No more UK stuff. Now, if it happens again, we've got a big issue. Yeah, if he starts calling, like, Dennis Evans, Shigari Aline. <laughs> Love an issue. Well, he wouldn't even hear for Shigari. All right, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. We'll take text from you guys. 
Um, by the way, Thornton's hooking you the best deals all football season long. If you want to save money at the pump, if you want to save money inside and pick up a tasty treat, there's only one way to do it. Become a refreshing rewards member. Everyone can save, could stand to save some money at the pump. Thornton's is hooking you up with that opportunity. Download the refreshing rewards app today. Save, uh, oh, Trevor gets mad when I say get cheap gas. Get premium gas at a cheap price and then text us at 502-414-1450. By the way, I had a really cool Thornton's experience today. So okay. I go over there, you know, I'm I'm just looking for a snack, something to hold me over until I can get some lunch because I, I just wasn't feeling breakfast today. So I never really purchased beef jerky ever. I'd, that's like not really in my realm. I may, I, I may buy beef jerky. The road trip snack. Twice a year at, at most. So I grab a big bag today, $9.99, you know, I, I go for the expensive stuff, bring it up to the counter and the guy at the counter is like, you want another one of those? It's free. Damn. And I was like, wait, what? He was like, yeah, it's two for buy, buy one, get one on the beef jerky. I was like, okay, well then, yeah, throw another one on there. So what, how about that for a deal? Jerky's so expensive. It is. It's gotten crazy. Texture says, you serious, Scoots? Hey, Mike, Scoots said you took a huge dump after the show yesterday. Care to comment? <laughs> you told people about this? <laughs> Just kind of happened. This on KRC today? <laughs> just kind of happened. I'm sorry. I was hoping that didn't get brought up. It's first text, 304. I, feel, I, I felt bad. As it's absolute. As, as soon as I said it, I was like, I maybe crossed the line. Sometimes but. people have to poop. The, the worst, I mean, they got a book about it. The Everybody worst part about it, it was, it, it was the end of yesterday's show, and we were talking about like trusting farts and, yeah. and not like crapping pants. Well, and that's how it got brought up. We got on a similar discussion this morning about something something similar to that. So that's how I got brought up. Yeah, I apologize. I don't know if it was like a subconscious <laughs> thing either, but like as we're having that conversation, I was like, oh boy. I was like, when this show ends, I'm not going to be able to make it home. And that's exactly what happened. I appreciate you letting everybody know that. <laughs> Texture says, uh, by the way, confirmation, we are up on 96.1. We're good to go. Sweet. Texture it's basketball season. Sigh. I guess I'll have fun tracking coaching candidates for the next four months. We won by 41. Let's, let's see. Calm down. Pump the brakes. It's okay. I get it. But it is crazy to have, like, I was listening a little bit to another radio show on the way in, and based on the way that they were, like, talking the fan base down, you would have thought that we lost by, by three to, to Simmons College last night. Like, the, the reaction has been overwhelmingly bad. Uh, the very next thing is, Mike, can we hear about your massive bleep yesterday? <laughs> Wasn't even that big. It just had to happen. Look what I started. Gosh uh, dang it. One of my friends also texted and said, congrats on the poop. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> I appreciate it. It was great. It was, I felt great afterwards. 20 pounds lighter. Texas, dude, Mike, what the hell is BBH doing? He has no motor and he's soft as a cookie. He couldn't score over the big man at a Bible college. I love Jesus. I'm not talking smack about Simmons, but what the hell is he going to do versus ACC big men? I mean. Was he the biggest concern from last night? Player-wise? Yeah, but that's also, it's not a new concern. Yeah. I, I think that you... You hope that he took a massive step forward during the offseason, but you kept hoping that he was going to take a massive step forward during last season, and it just never happened. I got a little bit concerned. Kenny Payne did his his like preseason press conference last week, is it last week or two weeks ago, and he's he's speaking. He's doing the Kenny Payne thing where he's talking up every single player. He's talking glowingly about them. He, if if it's obvious that they're not that good, he's still kind of using euphemisms to make them sound good. And Brandon Huntley Hatfield was the one guy where he was like, we need more from Brandon. And the fact that he was saying that in mid-October kind of gave me pause. I was like, he must really just not be 
doing what they wanted to do or not improving. And I was, to be quite honest, like I, I was surprised that he stayed around because it sure seemed like in the middle of last season, he was upset about the situation here. He thought he was too good to be here or that he wasn't getting whatever he needed. And I think the coaching staff was upset with him. They, they weren't getting out of him what they thought they should be getting out of him. And like I thought this is just a marriage that's going to end. And, and so when he announced that he was coming back, I was a little bit surprised. This is a guy that when he came here, went to Kenny Payne and said, my plan is to be here for one year and be a lottery pick in the NBA draft. And Kenny wow. Payne's response was, let's make that happen. Let's do it. And neither one of them lived up to that end of the bargain last season. And here he is in year two. And he doesn't look any better than he did last year. Like, like he had flashes at times last season, usually early in games, where you're like, damn, this guy's got a world of potential. And last night, the fact that he couldn't impose his will against a front court from Simmons College is it's a concern, for sure. Texas says, Scoots better come get his catfish girl and sends in a screenshot of a, a text where it says, hey, Elisa. Oh, this is one of those classic catfish moments. It's, it's, mm. it's, the, it's the thing. Hey, Elisa, want to come over for dinner tonight? I'm making chicken curry and apple crisp. And the person says, yummy. And then they say, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not disturbing you. I put in the wrong number. That's that's how they, that's how it starts. Wow. Is that that how, one just gave themselves up right away. Well, yeah. now I know for the future. Yeah. Well, I told you, I think I read the one on air when this came up on our show about the one that was like texting me about, hey, what time's our tea time yeah. again? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm already on the course. And they're, they're like, well, what the hell? We're supposed to be playing together. Oh, this is the wrong number. I'm I actually, can't even remember the girl's name from mine anymore. Wasn't she supposed to be from like Belarus? She was from Belarus. Yeah. Well, supposedly. Suppose. <laughs> Texas, I have zero evidence or insider knowledge, but I think Trenton Flowers left because he saw how good Curtis Williams is. Let's go with that. Sounds I, good. I'm fine with that. He was scared. He did the uh, the Terrence Jennings thing. He knew Gorgie Zhang was coming. Didn't want to compete with him. He's better. Texas says, if Karan Davis stepped out of bounds one more time, I was going to lose it. It was, it was a rough start for Karan Davis. Uh, I mean, he he traveled, I think, on his first possession. He had two turnovers where he just caught the ball standing out of bounds, which was kind of a staple of last year. It's it's impressive that you talk about culture being handled handed down from one team to the next. <laughs> That's not the culture that we wanted to be in the DNA of newcomers. Is yeah, sometimes we catch the ball just standing out of bounds. He had one impressive drive where I was like, okay, like this is the athleticism that we were hearing about with him. And he just missed the layup. So, like, it was it was bad. I mean, he looked like a guy that is not going to help you out right now. Texture says, uh, I've never over-penetrated. Thank you for that. <laughs> Texture says, does Mick Cronin still want to come coach at Louisville? I don't think so anymore. And he's got a, even if he does want to, and even if Louisville wants him, he's got a new deal that's not going to let him go anywhere for, for any time soon. Uh, Poor UCLA. Are you an anti-Mick Cronin guy, too? Now, maybe not necessarily anti, but I'm definitely not pro. I'm, I'm I lean more anti than pro. Is this like a personal thing, or you just don't think he's a good coach? There's just something about him. He's got one of those faces, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, if you if you want to say like he's angry little guy and, and kind of roasts me the wrong way about yeah. how angry he is, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know that I but like I think he can coach. I don't know that I like the way he carries himself. I have a friend who's is. <laughs> One of our friends is in work. He's, he's in California for the, the, the week. And so he wasn't able to watch the scrimmage. And he texted last night to like our UofL text group and was like, how, how are we looking? How's it going? And my buddy Danny, who did the podcast with, is like, there's a short man in, in Los Angeles that I need you to stuff into your suitcase right now and bring him <laughs> home with you. I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take him. 
Texas says, uh, Trey White looks really talented. He was way too loose with the ball last night, though. We, I mean, we didn't get a chance to really see him do much. He, I, I mean, he, he finished a couple, he had a nice mid-range jumper. He did have four turnovers in just, what, 16 minutes, which is, that, that's bad. One, one turnover every four minutes is not good, especially against Simmons College. But I, I think that he is my, my pick for, I think he's going to lead the team in scoring this year. And I think this is going to be his only year here. I think he's going to go pro, whether or not he gets drafted in the first, second round or at all. I don't think it matters for him. I think this is his last year of college basketball. I think his upside is insanely high. I think he does a lot of things really well. And I think eventually we're going to see that. It's just a matter of how he fits into the system. I do think he'd be a lot better if he had like a, a lead guard that was more of a scorer. Maybe Sky Clark will be that guy. But, but, but if he were the second best player on this team or the second most talented player on this team, then I think his skill set would really would really shine through. But we'll find out. A lot of time. Texture says, the turnovers at the beginning of the game were caused by playing hot potato with the ball. Everyone was afraid to shoot. After shots started falling, everybody settled in. If anyone is looking for a reason to be concerned, the perimeter defense looked just as bad as last season. We let them shoot about 100 uncontested threes. Thankfully, they only made a couple. Oh, yeah, and if BHH keeps playing like he did, like he'd rather be doing something else, he deserves zero playing time. Hopefully, Brandon Huntley Hatfield's not listening to this show because he's going to get piled on, I think. Mm. But the, I, I agree. I do think that part of the, the reason why we turned the ball over so much, which was, was exactly what I was saying in the first hour, everybody was out there trying to make sure that they were doing what Kenny Payne wanted them to do, trying to make sure the ball was moving, trying to, to not. Nobody wanted to be the guy who took a quick shot and missed it and then had Payne flipping out on. Well, that goes against what he said on Tuesday in his press conference that we played on the show is the fact that he just wants everybody to do their job. That didn't seem like early on in either half no. that the, the guys were doing their job. And, and I do I agree with the texture. Like You look at the the box score, and, and I'm sure you say, man, that was, at least they were playing rabid defense, right? Like Simmons College goes two of three of 22 from three. They, they, don't shoot, they shoot the ball like 19% in the first half, 17% in the second. They, like they, offensive numbers are woeful. If you watch the game, they had a lot of good looks. Yeah. They're just not a good team. Right. And that's what's going to happen when you give open looks to a bad team. Texas, let's be honest. Brandon Huntley Hatfield is only still here because he couldn't transfer and not sit. I don't think he's good, nor do I think he wants to be here. And he's somehow convinced that he still has an NBA shot. I expect a year very similar to last year from him. And then if KP gets fired, he'll run out of town. It's a fair point. I mean, Huntley Hatfield had already used his immediately eligible transfer coming from Tennessee and, and play last season. So if he wanted to transfer again, he would have had to have sat out. Um, it's I don't want to just make these sweeping takes about what he's going to do over the next five months based on what we've seen in a scrimmage and an exhibition game, but it does kind of seem like that seems like a likely scenario based on what we saw from him last year, where his like his effort level and his desire and it seemed like his focus just dwindled as the season went down, what went on and in lockstep with that was the, the dwindling of his production. And like, he's a, I think he's a super talented kid. I just don't think that he's, his skill set's going to show if he doesn't get his head out of his ass a little bit. Texas, my issue with sky is how he was getting blown past on defense. The offense will come, but I expected him to be quicker on D totally agree. There were a couple of times where he got crossed up by the Simmons college point guard. And if the, if that kid was better, he would have been able to either make a little floater in the lane or pass it to a guy that could make a shot on the wing. Scott got blown by at least three or four times in just straight man-to-man defense. And look, 
if the head of the de- like, like we saw how bad the defense could be last year when the head of the defense couldn't keep anybody in front of them. And for as, as good as L. Ellis was on offense, he was a woeful defender. He, he just I don't think he he's he's naturally good. I don't think he had a desire to play defense. He didn't want to do it, and so he didn't. And we were in a situation every single possession last year where guard beats guard. Guard, our other wings have to come in and either overhelp and leave their guy open in the wing or give up a short jump shot to that point guard. And we just gave up a ton of easy buckets because our the guy at the top of our defense couldn't keep anybody in front of them. Sky Clark's got to be better. No question. Texas, I for sure see a sadder filled year from KP, but my extreme overreaction is that Jerome Tang needs to learn how to say Louisville. <laughs> the Tang talk's not going to stop anytime soon. Unless K-State just sucks this year, in which case everybody's going to be like, I didn't, I didn't, didn't want Jerome Tang. That's a possibility. I, I'm telling you. It is. I mean, I, I, Big 12 is doing their media days. I don't know if they did, um, if their poll came out for this season. I would assume Kansas State is going to be picked like fourth or fifth in that league. It, they got Tyler Perry, who's a guy that we really wanted, the transfer from North Texas who can do a lot. Uh, they got a couple of other big-time transfers. They brought back a couple of guys from last year's Elite Eight team. But it is like he's being tasked with doing the same exact thing that he did a year ago, which – if he's that guy, if he's that dude, if he's one of the next up-and-coming coaches in college basketball, he'll be able to do it. If he's a one-hit wonder, then we'll find out pretty quickly as well. I mean, I do think that it it bears mentioning that when he was he was at Baylor for a long time, and he was instrumental in taking that program from perennial Big 12 doormat to, I mean, the elite of the elite in college basketball for the last few years. And since he left, Baylor hasn't been as stout on defense. They had just kind of a whatever year last year. Uh, he was apparently the defensive guy that really made them into a defensive team because Baylor had so much talent in like those from that like 20, 2008 to like two thousand thirteen run, and they just they didn't defend and all that one and do, those one and done guys just kind of they played loose with the basketball. They were never really a team, and that's why they would get blown out by teams like Kentucky when they ran into them in, in the NCAA tournament. And he apparently was very instrumental in changing the entire culture along with Scott Drew. I, I think that that has to stand count for something, but you have to have more than just one good season as a head coach to be hired at a program like Louisville. Yeah. I say that knowing that we just hired a guy who had <laughs> no seasons, period, as a head coach, but the NCAA stuff's over. Standards are back to where they used to be. Texas says, I learned how to line dance and ballroom dance in Mrs. Gass, uh, Miss Gass' PE class at Wilder. That was my teacher as well. Shout out to Bev Gass. Wow. Love you. She was a big fan of mine. She, she, always, uh, she definitely played favorites, and I was definitely a favorite. Think she listens? Um... Probably not. Probably not. She didn't love you that much, then. She was mad at me for transferring schools. I remember that. Mm. She gave me the cold shoulder. But she was, uh, she was very much. She was a big fan of mine at field day. I was trying to pile up blue ribbons, <laughs> but she made me line dance, and I didn't like that. But I did learn. Texture says, uh, Texture sends in a pic. So you can check this out on the text line. I don't know if you have access. No, I can't see it. It's a picture of a splash three from the outside with the net ripping up through it from last night. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. There may, I mean, I didn't watch the whole game, so there may be have been two or three that I could have missed. But every shot I see go through, saw go through, stiff, stiff net. Apparently, Miss Gas transferred. She, she went over to St. Albert after she left Wilder. She gave me so much crap for going to a Catholic school. I, I, I remember that vividly when I was like, I, I was telling her, I'm, I'm nine years old. I'm in third grade about how I'm transferring to Holy Trinity. And she's like, oh, Catholic school, and like rolls her eyes. I'm like, it's not, it's clearly not my choice. I'm not like, you know, I'm not a college junior going from USC to Notre Dame for my senior year. Like, I had very little say in what was going on with where I was going to go to school. I don't, I'm not calling the shots here, but she gave me crap. 
Texas says attendance attendance for the game is paid attendance, not turnstile attendance. I know. The announced attendance still, I'm surprised that it was that. I guess those is season tickets. And that's gonna be the bare minimum every year. But like we had games last year where they still it was like nine thousand. And I don't think that season ticket sales have gone up for this year. Regardless, it was a bad site last night. Why is that? I hate that. Why do, why do we always get the announced attendance for tickets sold? It's a scam. Why, why can't we have a way to track how many tickets were actually scanned to come in the door? Well, we do. Like, it's 2023. Why is that the number we don't give out? No, we, when we ha- that data is out there. They just don't make it public. But now, you can. I think it was Dick Coffey. He, he, he filled out like a FOIA request last year for the actual scan ticket numbers for Louisville last season, and the average attendance was like 8,000-some-odd for the men's basketball, which is mm. insanely bad. It's, but it's little-known secret. It's always kind of been like this. I mean, I, I, I've had friends at UofL who've said the reality is we've probably sold out like four or five games since we went to the KFCM Center as far as like every single ticket being sold, even like UK games. Typically, they had their announces a sellout back in the day, but the reality is you've got a thousand or two unsold tickets. It's just, and that's every program. It's not just UofL. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's so fake. It's so phony, but every, I, don't, I don't know how we got to a point where everybody feels the need to do it. It's all just bragging. Texas says, did you see Ty Spaulding getting clowned on last night? I think he might have outed himself as a KP hater instead of like most of us where, who are rooting for KP, but no, it's objectively not looking great. I didn't see him getting – I saw some of his tweets. I, I didn't see people getting all that mad at him, although I'm not shocked that they were. I mean, people got mad at me for some of the stuff last night, and I thought I was being pretty, pretty mild. I mean, all, all I said at the beginning of the game was I'm getting PTSD from last year because we can't hold on to the ball. But when they started playing better, I, you know, I, I commented on that about how they were playing better. But like, this is going to be a thing all year long. If you hated the infighting last season, I don't think it's going anywhere this year, because I, I don't think that we're going to be good enough to have everybody uniformly be like Kenny Payne's the man. You know, some people will say I told you so. Other people will say I was wrong. Kenny Payne's the man, and I don't think that we're going to be bad enough for. The people to be, to, who have been very anti Kenny Payne to say, "Told you so." This guy sucks. We got to move on. And it'd be so bad that everybody who's been defending him say, "You were right." I wish it would worked out. It's clearly not going to. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. Which means, guess what? We're going to have these types of of infighting on social media and radio shows and everywhere for the next four months. Like, I, I absolutely think that's going to stay. I think we'll win. Like, I think that we're good enough that we're not going to drop those terrible non-conference games against low major opponents this year because we're playing even worse teams than we played last year. Like I think we'll beat UMBC. I think we'll beat Coppin State. I think we'll beat Chattanooga as the second opponent. I think. Like I think we'll be three and zero going into the Texas game at the in the Empire Classic, and then I think we'll lose a like a 14, 15 point game to Texas, and then we're like nobody's going to know what to say. Like everyone's going to be like, well, we're better than Coppin State. But we're worse than Texas. We're somewhere in between these two. What do we make of this? And it's just going to be a whole lot of people who are like, this guy sucks. We're not going to make the tournament. And then some people who are like, this guy's great. We're making progress. And that's going to be every radio show. <sighs> Thank God for football. I think it's very ambitious of you to think you'll go into Texas 3-0. I don't. I mean, we are. I mean, you. those are those are the same three, not the same three teams, literally. They're, they're but worse. Same, they're same worse three than, types of teams. No, they, they are way. Like last year. Bellarmine, App State, and Wright State were all top 150 teams, according to Ken Palm. These are UMBC is 273, Chattanooga is 203, Coppin State is 357. Watch out for Chattanooga. 
Ken Palm could be a sleeper. It is sad that I read that and I see Ken Palm only has us winning that game by seven points. I'm like, oh. ooh, it's gonna be a sketchy one. Uh, he's got us beating UMBC by 12, Chattanooga by seven, Coppin State by 21. I mean, like, I am assuming that we're going to go three and zero in those games because. Look, look, we hadn't lost a November home game since 1975 before last year when we lost, like, what, four? Like, it is a very rarity for Louisville to lose these types of games. It just does not happen, regardless of how bad the team is. Even with, with you know, Chris Mack, some of those teams that were iffy, some of the, the, the worst Patino teams, the worst Crumb teams at the end, they still more times than not took care of business in these games. So I think they'll be 3-0. and If they're not, I don't think it'll be an overreaction to be like, this is – going to go terribly like we're not going to be 500 we're not going to flirt with the NCAA tournament I, I think that that will be you will be well within your rights to overreact to a loss to UMBC Chattanooga or Coppin State now if they if they're 3-0 and they go up and they're competitive against Texas and Connecticut or, or Indiana whoever they play in the second game then I think you can get your hopes up a little bit because those are going to be two pretty good games regardless of who you play yeah you talked about uh Ty Spalding getting clowned on how about me clowning on Marlo McSwain coming here from Belgium and Mark then McSwain's uh, Mark son. Mark McSwain's son. How about that? Yeah, we probably I, I probably should have put two and two together when you said that last night. I was so too worried about getting that roster to work. The website wasn't working, and I was kind of <laughs> like, "Yeah, how the hell did he end up here?" He is Mark McSwain's son. A lot of connections here. Mark McSwain is apparently still over there uh, overseas, and he was watching on stream, which is cool. I, I liked seeing that last night. I was glad he got in the scorebook at the end of the game too. Texas says, out of the 22 turnovers last night, how many do you feel were unforced? Way too many. 15 at least. God, I mean, it was a lot of just throwing the ball over a dude's head, standing on the sidelines. I mean, the first four of the game for sure were unforced. The first four of the second half, too. Yeah. yeah I mean, Simmons College isn't going to force a ton of turnovers against you. They don't have guys that are just jumping passing lanes or that, that are that apt defensively. It was a whole lot of just throwing the ball away or just doing dumb stuff, not paying attention to what's going on. It was, yeah, I mean, I, I would say – I have to check the tape, but out of the 22, my guess would be 15 or 16. We're just totally unforced. Mm-hmm. Texas says you need to look up what the grape snow cone line means, and it'll make more sense. Does it mean something more than – is that, is that a – you seem radio safe? I mean, it doesn't. The way that that's being laid out to me, <laughs> now I'm terrified. Every time somebody says something like that to me, like where I read a text and I'm like, is that, is that, does that mean something that I don't know? Am I about to get fired for this? I have no idea. Texas says, Scoots, if you had a conversation in a similar vein – to the trusting farts conversation, it is unfair for you to not share the details. That's true. <laughs> Wait, it is fair or unfair? He said not fair. No, no, I agree with that. I mean, it's, it was one of those things, as soon as I said it, I was like, mm. yeah, burger and grape snow cone. Can't say that. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense. Texas Bellman was 261 and Ken Palm not quite type 150. They were at the end of the year. When we played them, and I think that's a fair point because, hey, look, maybe UMBC dramatically overachieves and they end up being like 112. When we played them last year, they were top 200 in the first game because we were only, we were a slight favorite. But they finished last year. They, they slipped pretty dramatically, and they're 232 now. Um, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, more from you guys on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. I do want to talk about this uh, KUHearings.com story about the IRP's uh, ruling on Louisville and Kansas and some of the stuff that they uncovered because it is interesting. We'll come back. We'll talk about that after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Thursday edition on 1450 
played his guitar on the hard side of town Where it's hard for a poor boy to find the money He had dedication, he had the heart and soul Somehow I knew he was born to play Good song. Great song. People say get a real job. This is me blogging. <laughs> blogging my heart out in 2009. Actually, I was, I was doing law school stuff and then. This is before that, I guess. Uh, shout out to Travis Dredd. Uh, welcome back in. Mike Rutherford Show, Thursday edition here on 1450 one The Big X. Obviously, the, the conversation today has centered around the, well, me pooping recently, but the, <laughs> the basketball game last night. Have you ever crapped your pants in public, Scoots? Me? No. Yeah. I'm fortunate enough that I have. I mean, it's happened to me at home when I've been more comfortable and like feeling a little sick. Well, just, I mean, what's your definition of crap your pants? Pooping coming out of your butt into your underwear. I mean, what if it was just like the tiniest amount? Because if it was, if that counts, then yes, technically. I've done that at home multiple times. It happens. Never trust a fart. Sometimes I've done it. I mean, and mine really wasn't in public. Mine was like when I was in my car going home. Okay. See, that's fine. Trevor, but I knew in, I it like was Trevor one of does the, that weekly. It was one of those things I knew instantly. Like my brother had a situation where he was in high school where it happened to him at the mall. Like he's like running up the escalator to try to get to the bathroom and oh, it's like coming gosh. down. Like like that's I've never had that, but I have had the the scary situation at home where it's like ooh these are going straight into the washer. That's that's oh you keep them. Well yeah I mean it's just a little the, bit. The one time it's happened to me I threw those bad boys away. I've never like splattered it it's just like a little bit. No I mean mine was a little bit too but I didn't I wasn't keeping them. Well, some people I guess darn is just I don't want cleanly poop. as as, as scoots. I don't want poop in my laundry. That's why you clean them. That's what happens. <laughs> anyway uh, let's talk about the we talked a lot about the basketball game last night. I do want to talk about this. K it's the website is kuhearings.com. The the author is Mike Vernon. He's done this two part investigative series looking behind the scenes at the relationship between the NCAA and the IARP, which was an offshoot of the NCAA, and this battle for independence that happened during their investigations into all the, the, the FBI deals with, with, in college basketball. So there's some really interesting stuff here. Like he, I don't know who he's talked to, but he's talked to multiple people that were at the hearings for both Louisville and for Kansas. And he, he talked to some of the attorneys that were involved. And apparently at the Louisville hearing. You had like 20 attorneys for the NCAA who were all there attempting to put pressure on the people with the IARP to try and hammer Louisville. Like, they didn't want to look weak. Like Louisville has very much been the NCAA's like, like, like dog. Like, you know, they put us in the doghouse. They were the, the a microcosm of all that's wrong in college athletics. We're wearing that scarlet letter. We're Louisville bad, rest of the NCAA good. We got to punish them. So they come here and, and they're. They're trying to intimidate all these IARP people at the, at the at the investigation. And one person, an attorney who was hired to be on the IARP, actually comes in. He's a he's an attorney. He's a former judge who was referred to by the BBC as one of the most experienced judges in all of sport. He was dismissed for questioning the NCAA's argument when it came to Louisville. He said nothing. Uh, he said, based on all of my cases, he was removed because his line of questioning was too critical of the NCAA's allegations. In theory, this would have made him less likely to deliver favorable results to the NCAA in future rulings. Two top witnesses with different roles in the Louisville hearing said there was nothing unprofessional about Benz's line of questioning in the case. Nothing inappropriate happened, said one panelist. 
they may have not liked the fact that most of his complaints were about the lack of due process for the institutions and the coaches involved. They didn't like the fact that he expected there to be due process. He asked these questions. He says, like, I can see nothing wrong with what's going on here. In the end, uh, he makes a comment about I, Rick Pitino basically did nothing wrong, and they kick him off the IRP for good. That's pretty screwed up. You've also got a three-day undressing during this hearing where apparently it showed that what the NCAA had become, an ineffective body whose major cases couldn't withstand any scrutiny by a first-year law class, let alone five experts with a combined 114 years of legal experience. It goes on to talk about the, the, the complex case unit, which was created to the, in addition to the IRP, and it became very, very harmful to the NCAA's overall mission. And the independent panel, which is where this Ben's guy sat, was a different group of 15 lawyers who ended up handing down the rulings. The complex case unit was what they did through sort of the investigative body of the IRP. They were created by the NCAA because the NCAA didn't trust what the IRP was doing. This whole thing is just so, so screwy. And the point that the Benz guy made in the Louisville case that apparently drew the wrath of the NCAA was the complex case unit. They were the ones who came up with the argument that Rick Pitino being too strict was actually creating a, a system of, of non-compliance within Louisville. Like, like he was wrong for being too strict on his, his coaches because his coaches then in turn were willing to cover up wrongdoings happening within the program. And this Ben's guy basically sees that, and he's like, that's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. Why else? Like, like this is so silly. You guys are being ridiculous, and they kicked him off the, the panel for the Louisville hearing, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, they also, apparently the breaking point with the IRP came when Ben's and other panelists criticized the investigation during the actual hearing. The panel raised concerns when the complex case unit introduced new red flags against Patino. The panel called it discrete factual claims from years earlier. The surprising information could have put Patino at a disadvantage to defend himself, but in the panel's public decision, it documented it ruled that the red flags were, quote, void of any value or merit, they were prejudiced, and they were cited serious due process concerns. This is not shocking to me at all. Like, I think the, the NCA saw that its case against Louisville was slipping away. They had no new evidence. They created this new thing where it was like, who was the player's dad who, who, who took the stand? I can't, I can't even remember now. I've, got, I've tried to repress as much of this as possible. But the dad who was on the stand was like, Rick Patino knew. That was the one guy out there who was like, Patino knew. Everybody else involved in this investigation was like, no, this isn't going to happen. So the IRP, basically, they come to the conclusion like, this is, this is all silly. According to a panelist, the NCAA lawyers were very resistant to the conclusions that we reached. They, I don't want to say attacked us, but they came to us more along the lines of, are you sure about this? This is going to be a shock to the membership. You could just feel that the pressure was going to blow back on them. The staff was right about something. The decisions blew back on the entire IRP and everyone involved. I think the, the most interesting part about this is this section. The writer says, during the Louisville hearing, the five panelists sat isolated at the front of the ballroom. Also in the hearing, among the fake uh, trees at the Sheridan Grand Hotel, one lawyer represented Patino, a small legal team assembled for Louisville, and at least 20 other employees, CCU investigators, and IRP staff members participated with another handful of Zoom. 
The panel was definitely outnumbered. It was a whole army, a whole platoon of these people, said one source. This was the NCA wanting to control the, the outcome with maximum influence. The results of the hearings mattered deeply to the schools and the NCAA, but it didn't get the people who were fired years earlier their jobs back. The initial NCAA allegations, many of which were ruled to be unproven and unfounded, completely altered the accused lives. Arizona fired its head coach, Sean Miller. I mean, I would, real quick aside, I would argue that Arizona didn't fire Sean Miller until he started losing games, but <laughs> that's me. I think Louisville was the only person who fired their head coach because of this stuff. Anyway, continuing. Louisville fired Patino. Both coaches were absolved of any wrongdoing by the panel years later. In a press conference, the lead panelist said that there was, quote, grossly underwhelming information that Louisville knew that Adidas was paying players. They screwed over Patino, one source said. He had a dream job. The university had a dream coach, and it all got effed up over nothing. Patino's lawyer, Stephen F. Stapleton, sent a damning statement on the case exclusively to KUHearings.com. Coach Patino remains appreciative of the time and effort put into his case by the independent panel members. It is troubling that the NCAA and the CCU pursued proceedings against him without any factual basis. It's also troubling that the NCAA terminated the IARP, which consisted of panels of truly independent decision makers, we have documented every detail of this case over the past five years and have the option to address it at the appropriate time. After the Patino hearing and its problems, Ben's got the news of his removal from the Arizona case. He resigned from the panel shortly after. A top sports mind, the IRP powers, did not want around. There's a part three of this coming. I'm very curious to read it, but that's the, the long and short of it is that the NCAA was furious that the IRP came to these conclusions, especially when it came to the Louisville case, that Louisville essentially had no wrongdoing in this. They kicked off the people that were critical of them. It's not, it shocks me not at all. The NCAA is corrupt. We've known this. Like they're after their own, covering their own ass nine times out of 10. And so, no, like we shouldn't be surprised. And it does suck that we lost a Hall of Fame coach who was in the middle of rolling. And Rick lost a job that I think he genuinely loved in a place that he had genuinely grown to love. And that that damage can never be repaired. And now, I'm not saying we're entirely in the place we are because of, of this situation, but it certainly didn't help. Like, we would be in a lot, much, much better place as a basketball program overall if this didn't happen, and it essentially happened for nothing. We really just need the untold version of this. Like the that show they do on Netflix, the untold yeah. sports documentaries. We need one of those on this. Because I, mean, I think that would help people better understand what actually went into it. Because I'm sure I think we kind of know. I'm sure with your lawyer background, you like geek out on this stuff, right? You'd think after a while, I've gotten kind of tired of it. Like, <laughs> like I dropped out of law school to, to 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 try and not have to read all these indictments and stuff like this. Right. It, it's been it's been annoying since you know we've been doing this since 2015. But I, I mean, I think that the Christian Dawkins story story on HBO shed a lot of insight into what happens here. The FBI they basically they caught somebody doing something that they, they shouldn't have been doing. That person, in an attempt to save his own ass, was like. I, I'll rat on some people. I know some stuff about some college basketball coaches. I'm involved in that. I can give you some names. The FBI, needing a big win to help its public perception, sees this as an easy thing. Like, let's entrap a bunch of coaches. Let's get them on tape. Talk. This guy says it'll be very easy. He's got all these connections. He's showing us these text messages. We'll get some of these guys talking on tape, and bam, we'll infiltrate college basketball, and, and America will be super stoked on us. Everyone's going to love us. And... The reality is this guy ha has dramatically overplayed his hand about who he knows and, and who's willing to talk to him. They can't get any of the big fish directly on a the line. They, they find out that Jordan Fair 
is at least talking to these people at an AAU event in Las Vegas. And when that becomes the case, they become fixated on getting Rick Pitino and taking him down because Rick Pitino is now notorious at this point. It's just a year and a half removed from the Katina Powell stuff. He's all that's wrong with college basketball. If we can take him down once and for for all, everyone's going to love us. So they absolutely set their sights on Patino and are willing to do anything to get him involved in this indictment. And when all is, is said and done six years later and everyone's looked at every piece of evidence, it's quite clear that he was not involved in this. And part of the reason why, I, I, I mean, it's a good and a bad thing. Like, he should have had more of an idea of what his assistants were doing. But he is the one coach that even the Adidas employees are texting each other and they're like, hey, he's got no idea. He, has, he knows nothing about any of this. He's staying out of it. And the fact that he was even included in this indictment is, is, is ridiculous. And it screwed up a good thing for everybody. Like it just the, the whole thing was a big nothing burger. It sucked. It wasted a ton of money. And you know, six years later, the game has not changed. And all this stuff is above board. And it's, it sucks. We, we got absolutely hammered in this for no reason. That's the long – that's the end of it. That's the – that's the conclusion. It sucks. There you go. Uh, 502-414-1450 is, is the Thornton's text line. One thing before we get to the text line. Scoots, have you seen that flag football is going to be an Olympic sport in 2020? I have. Yeah, I'm pumped. This is kind of a, I mean, I feel like this is one of those things that sounds better on paper than it's going to actually be watching it. Because I've watched flag football every now and then when they have those like skill challenges game. It's not fun to watch. It's not cool to like, a flagpole is is very not exciting. Exciting. Yeah, but how many times have you watched a game of flag football where it's been the best of, best of the best? You know, never. Like I think that's going to be a blast. Tyreek Hill. Just imagine us playing like Brazil, and Tyreek Hill just blows by the cornerback and throws in the deuces up as he takes it eighty yards to the house. Like it's going to be awesome. Now, Bet Online has created odds for who the the Team USA flag football starting quarterback will be in twenty twenty eight. Tom Brady. The the lowest odds, the betting favorite, is Lamar Jackson at three to one. Really? I think that's because you know there's a quarterbacks typically run in flag football a mm-hmm. lot. I'm sure there'll be a running element. Patrick Mahomes is the second choice at seven to two. Josh Allen is four to one. And this is five years away. I mean, there could be somebody who's <laughs> like a high school freshman right now who's on this list who right. ends up taking the job. Or one of the the Arch Manning. Arch Manning, yeah, could be the could, <laughs> could be the guy. The the non quarterback starters. There are going to be four of them. The favorites right now, Tyreek Hill, who you mentioned, 1-3, to three, mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, 1-2, to two, Jamar Chase, 1-2, to two, and Justin Jefferson is even odds at 1-1. One to one. Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, uh, DK Metcalf are all right there behind them. So, I guess, and you have defensive starters, too. Patrick Sertan is 1-3, to three, Sauce Gardner, 1-2, to two, Micah Parsons, Trevon Diggs, Justin Simmons, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa. I mean, this is going to be... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a repeat of basketball in the olympics like will nfl theor- players want to play in this theoretically we should destroy every team in the country or every team in the world if we get our best out there you know i mean if we even just get half the guys that you just named we're gonna mop some people Deion- i mean sauce gardner nobody's gonna score on sauce gardner he's way too fast he'll pull every flag out there i mean no other country really plays football either so exactly <laughs> it's gonna be- they're you- com- they're gonna come in we play rugby mate we've got yeah and then no they're gonna get trunced trounced over Deion Sanders is 50-1 to one to be on the, the team as a defensive <laughs> starter, which is kind of funny. I enjoy that. But, I mean, I don't even know, like, like will the NFL do the thing where they put restrictions on guys playing in this? Because, I, I mean, do you remember the – they used to have the the flag football rookie game at, at the Pro Bowl. And I can't remember who it was. It was the, the Georgia running back, like, like, 15 years ago who tore his ACL playing in that game. And they stopped doing it. Like, 
I mean, obviously playing on sand is different than playing on the surface that you'd be playing on here, but there is a risk of injury. You see this in baseball now with the World Baseball Classic and teams not wanting their best players to play in it. Well, isn't baseball coming to the Olympics too? Didn't I hear that? Is it back? Yeah, I think they're adding it back for this next one. Which I thought was stupid that it ever they added like taken out. I want to say they added like eight sports for this upcoming Olympics. Uh, baseball. So, so when did baseball go away? The last oh, time, man, years ago. So baseball, I don't even know if it's been in my lifetime. We've had. Oh yeah, it, it has. I remember yeah. watching it back then. Yeah, the last time the baseball was in the Olympics was two thousand eight. Oh okay. It's only missed. So baseball was back in twenty twenty. Really? Baseball was back in twenty twenty. It's out in 2024, and then it's coming back in 2028. That's silly. That is silly. So in 2020, we won the bronze. We were the uh, we were we won the, the silver medal. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I remember that. Japan won the gold. We've not won a gold medal in baseball since 2000. Cuba won in 04. China won in 08. Japan won in 2020. Uh, Cuba won in 92 and 90. we've only won one gold medal ever. That seems wrong. I've always had the sneaking suspicion. I've mentioned this on the show before. So the World Baseball Classic, like, we don't dominate the World Baseball Classic. No. And I always kind of wonder, you know, we just assume the best of the best is here in the major leagues. And, and you know, we'll, we'll take some talent from Japan and take some talent from Dominican Republic and Cuba and, and Australia and whatever. Like, are we sure that the, the best of the best in Japan, like, isn't better than, than our best? Like, I, like are, how sure are we? Because whenever we have international competitions, we don't dominate at all. Their baseball league's pretty good. I think it has something to do with the way they play the game, though. There are angles when they pitch and stuff like that. Spin that they put on the ball. Just different. It's just a different game. Then maybe we should be doing that. Maybe so. By the way, the other sports that they're adding are cricket, lacrosse, and squash. Okay. I'm fine with that. I did see that the, speaking of uh, Japanese baseball, the kid who had hit, he hit like 120 home runs in his high school career. He's like the next big thing coming out of of Japan. Mm -hmm. And he's going to play college baseball in America. And he signed with Vandy, which oh, absolutely my. broke my heart. I'm like, why? They, they don't need this kid. Because every time every time there's a big deal coming over from Japan, they they crush it in America. Like they, mm-hmm. There's a very low miss rate when it comes to, I think, the, the Shogo Akiyama, like the, the one guy at the Red Signs, the only Japanese player that's come here and just sucked. Yeah, what happened to him? He sucked. He was terrible. He was awful for two years. I, lo- I kept waiting for him to get good because Japanese players always come over here, and at least at the very beginning of their careers, they rake. And he just, he was like a 200 hitter for two years, and we had to, to DFA him. You had him, and then you had that kid with the uh, Blue Jays. I cannot think of his name. You, you, knew, you would know the interview. The bananas guy, I eat two bananas every day because monkeys eat bananas. They don't cram. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Gosh dang it. He, I thought he was going to be a big Ka- thing, too. Kawasaki. Yeah, there you go. Um, was he a red? He was a Blue Jay. Yeah, I'm pretty thought, sure. Yeah, I thought when you said you guys had him, I thought you were talking about the Reds. I was like, he was never... I thought, I thought I said Blue Jays. He's definitely – you said he went to the Blue Jays. Um, yeah, he, he's, he was a Blue Jay, then he was a Cub. He, was, he never ended up being that good. No, he wasn't. He was fine, but he, I think he's back over playing in Japan or something. Are like we that. in agreement Ichiro, best Japanese player ever all time? I mean, Ichiro is incredible. Yeah. I mean – I miss that man so much. I mean, until now, Otani is, is certainly making a case for being, like, the best player ever. He's unreal. But Ichiro was, Ichiro was a beast. He was so fun. I just remember because he was like the first big one that came over, and you're like, yeah. is, "Is this really going to work?" And then, they, like, I remember because I was super. I mean, I'm still into baseball now, but this was when I was in high school. I was watching all the time, mm-hmm. and that first month where he was with the Mariners, I was like, "Okay, this guy's." He, I've never seen anything like this. This guy's incredible. He's gonna be the best player of all time, and he was pretty damn close. He was awfully good, but Otani come to the Reds. 
We'll make you the greatest of all time. <laughs> Come to the road. 502-414-1450. We'll take a couple of texts here before we call it a break uh, on the, the 4 o'clock hour. Texture says, uh, how about a UofL Patino lawsuit versus the NCAA? It feels like the grounds could be there. Maybe a nice way to mend fences. I did think it's interesting that his attorney said, we've gathered all this information on all these these cases, and we are like contemplating our next move. Now, Rick has said for a long time that he just kind of wants to be done with this. Like, and I think now like he's back in power conference basketball. He's back at a place where, theoretically, he can he has what he needs to win a national title. I think he's focused on doing that. But if you know if it's five years from now, maybe he does come after the NCAA. One thing is, it needs to be established. The banner needs to go back up sometime relatively soon. I, I would do it right now, but it has it has to go back up. It's so dumb that so dumb that it's down. Texture says we should still have Patino. Period. We should sue the NCAA. Maybe we can. Maybe maybe one. I mean, what's that going to do now, though? You know, it does. I mean, it's that's going to do nothing. It's not going to change the past. It's not going to bring Ricky back. It's I think it doesn't do anything. That's the thing too. Is I think Patino would be less willing to do it. Like we're doing it because we're bitter, and we also now are not good at basketball. Like, like we feel like our program has been irreparably damaged. If we were still rolling along, if Chris Mack had come here and crushed it, or or, or if Kenny Payne last year had like gone to the the Sweet Sixteen and we had a top ten team, I think we care about all this stuff a lot less. Our anger is growing over time as we see the damage worsen and worsen and worsen, and we realize there was really no reason for us to to fire a Hall of Fame head coach. Could have avoided all of this. Texas says, I've been in meetings with the NCA. The thing that you have to realize about them and about every interaction that you have with them is that they enter every conversation with their minds already made up, whether it's about where to eat lunch or whether a school may have done something wrong. They do not believe in due process or anyone questioning them. That's very apparent. I mean, I have not been in meetings with the NCA. It's still very obvious. The most clear and apparent example of that is we argue in our appeal in the Casino Powell stuff, saying we had did all this mitigating stuff. These are, in your own bylaws, supposed to be mitigating factors that diminish punishments. You messed up by not taking any of them into consideration. The NCA responds in its appeal to our appeal and says, great argument. You're exactly right. You nailed it. We didn't take those into consideration when we punished you, and we are not changing anything. Like They, they just they, they don't care. Great argument. You're right. Nothing changes. Boom. Your hand. Um, also, RIP to Miss Gas. I found out via the text line she oh. she passed away. She was great. I love her. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, five now o'clock. Now I feel hour. bad calling her a hypocrite. Yeah, it's five o'clock hour is up. We'll have thirty minutes to talk uh, sports. We'll revisit some of our takes, and then we'll look ahead to the night that will be in sports. It's the Mike Rutherford Show Thursday edition here on fourteen fifty nine six one. The Big X.
All right, Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 5 o'clock hour. We've got a short show today, so we'll be out of here at, uh, at 5.30. We'll try to get to as many of your texts as we can at 502-414-1450. We've got NFL football tonight. We've got – I miss the good Thursday night college football. Like, Because more times than not, the NFL Thursday night games have been lame in, in recent years since they started doing this prime football thing. This year's pretty good, though. It's been – they've been competitive, but like – I don't know. I mean, Jags Bucks, I guess, has my interest Saints. a little bit. Saints. Saints, yeah. It's not a terrible game. But on the off chance that it is like a, a blowout or just ugly, I'd like to be able to have a big time college football game to flip over to. And also, like, I, I like college football more than I like the NFL. Tonight, uh, college football, you've got, I mean, a somewhat interesting game. You've got an undefeated James Madison team on the road taking on Marshall, who is four and two. You've got Rice Tulsa on ESPN2 at seven o'clock, which is not interesting whatsoever. James Madison, by the way, did petition the NCAA. They're bowl eligible already. They're 6-0. and They petitioned to be eligible for postseason play. College football has the rule where if you transition from the FCS to the FBS, you have two years where you're postseason ineligible. You can't play in conference championship games. You can't play in bowl games. In college basketball, which is where the situation Bellarmine's in, it's four-year probation period. They're both dumb as hell. But James Madison was like, look, clearly we're competitive enough. We could have gone to a bowl game last year. This is year two. We would love to play for a Sun Belt title. We'd love to, you know, at least if we go undefeated, have an argument to be in a New Year's Six game. This is silly, and the NCAA yesterday rejected their appeal. Uh, Bellarmine also, I think, has, has sent in an appeal. This is the last year of their probationary period where they're ineligible to play in the NCAA tournament. They're trying to get that expunged. They're, they're, they're not expunged is the wrong word. They're trying to get that accelerated and, and go ahead and be eligible this year. It's just such a, a silly thing. I mean, Bellarmine should have been in the NCAA tournament two years ago. And the forgotten thing about the Fairleigh Dickinson upset of Purdue is Mary Mack should have been in the NCAA tournament in their place. Mm-hmm. Mary Mack won that, the, the Northeast Conference regular season title, and they beat Fairleigh Dickinson in the NEC championship game, uh, their conference tournament. They should have been in the tournament. And it, it's silly that they have to wait another year. I think they're eligible this year, but Bellarmine still has one more year. Anyway. According to John Spears, apparently Coach Davenport emails the NCAA once a week. He is. I know he's, he, he said today that he has sent them another appeal. Uh, they had some hope because Mike Bray, who's a very close friend of, of Coach Davenport and has been very good at the Bellman program, he was head of the Coaches Association uh, up until last year, and he apparently went to bat for them and thought that he, there was a solid chance they would at least get it knocked down from a four-year transition period to a two-year transition period. And the NCAA, as it tends to do in all cases, was very stubborn and said, no, just because. We don't care about your reasoning. <laughs> We're going to do what we want. Uh, 502-414-1450. We've talked about the exhibition game last night. We talked last segment about this uh, this report about what went on in the hearings between the NCAA and the IRP and how Louisville and Rick Pitino in particular got totally screwed. Your thoughts. We'll get to as many as we can before we have to call it a day. Texter says, uh, the entire appeal of our lawsuit to the NCAA would be, quote, you witch hunted Pitino and you destroyed a program. That banner is going back up and you'll like it. Patino wants that banner back up as much as anyone. I mean, does that give the Louisville fan base, like, does that make them feel good if if, if they just put the banner back up? Then there's all, all this lawsuit stuff go away because I just, I don't see what that changes, you know? Unless your main goal is to get the banner back up. Yeah, I mean. But whether the banner's would, there or not, it, all yeah. Louisville fans know it happened. They know that banner should be there, so I don't, I don't even read too much into it not being there. You know? It's more of an annoyance to me than anything. And 
it, it does hurt. I can't imagine how much it hurts the players who are on the actual team because I mean, I think most sane people recognize that Louisville won the 2013 national title. And when when you see graphics about you know, Louisville having three national championships, people every now and then they'll put an asterisk up there or, or, or they'll say that's two. But most most of the time now, I think people just kind of disregard. Like Kansas went to the Final Four in 2018. I'm not going to take that away from them. Calipari's two Final Fours at other programs. I think it's silly to take that away from them. So it still matters a little bit just because it, it's an annoyance to me that every time I see – any national site tweeting something about the 2013 national title, I know you're going to have a handful of dumbass responses like, oh, I don't, that game never happened, stuff like like it, It's a minor annoyance to me. I can see how for somebody like Rick Pitino, it's a little bit more personal. For like Luke Hancock, it's clearly very personal. But eventually they're, they're going to give all the vacated records back and that banner will go back up. And it'll be a, it'll be a nice day and then we'll move on very quickly. Texture says uh, the NCA is James Gandolfini at, in the last castle, and Louisville is Robert Redford when Redford corrects Gandolfini on punishment restrictions for prisoners. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty good. You should check it out. That's the most Trevor text message of the day, right there. It's a mm-hmm. very like I don't even know if I've heard of that movie. It's a very did they even say the title of the movie? The Last Castle. Oh, it's a very esoteric reference, and then the comment ends with "You should watch it if you haven't seen it." That's that's classic Trevor. He's like, it reminds me of the 1980 movie Happy for Hillary when she, the, 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 Happy for- it's actually pretty good. You'd like it. I'm like, nobody's heard of that movie. No, no, no nobody knows what that movie is, Trevor. Texture says, uh, this, I think this is the same guy who texted yesterday. You said you were going to text him. He wants to know what hotel you work at. Oh, I forgot to text him. Texture says, hey, Mike, how Dickinson are we feeling? Eh. Not a lot. Fairly. <laughs> Texas says, uh, we do it to sue the, we, sue, we should sue the NCA because the NCA ruined us for no reason. It's defamation. I don't know if you're going to get away with that, but I don't know. Texas, what is suing the NCA, what is suing the NCA going to do? Maybe get our records and title restored? That seems important. It I mean, does, if you're into that sort of thing. It does. Like I said before, I think all of this would matter significantly less if Louisville basketball was just rolling along. Like if, if we were fine. It'd be a lot easier to look back and say, yeah, they took the 2013 title away if we felt like another one was coming really soon. And right now, let's be frank, we don't. Like We're talking about whether or not winning 16 games is good enough to keep a coach for a third year. That's how far we've fallen in a relatively short period of time. Like, I think that's what makes people so angry and, and makes people so desperate. Like The most, the two happiest nights we've had at the KFC Home Center in the last two years were the night that we brought Russ Smith back to have his jersey retired. And last year when we brought the 2013 team back for their 10-year anniversary, like that's as exciting. And hell, I mean, the TBT is probably like the, th- the number three, <laughs> and that wasn't even in the KFC Yum Center. Like, it's all nostalgia right now for Louisville basketball because the future, the present is kind of too painful for a lot of people to pay a lot of attention to. Texas says, let's not forget about Dice K and his gyro pitch uh, was all BS. I remember Dice, Dice K. K. Dice K Matsusaka. Oh, yeah. And what was the second part of that text? He had that gyro pitch. It was a weird. That was his big thing. Hmm. Hideo Nomo was a big deal when he came first. Yeah, I remember him. I love to to mimic his his delivery. Yeah, I would always do that thing. Didn't he do the thing where he dropped real low to the ground? No, he he knew that. he would do like the big stretch over the. the oh yeah, and he like pause. Yeah, and he like turned his he full did. body. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I think I could still do it. And I did feel like I threw a little harder when I would do that, like in little league. What was the uh, who was the batter whose stance you always emulated? Gary Sheffield. 
like the back and forth with the his big, bat. Big flip. The, yeah. The, the yeah. Mine was always uh, Craig Council. Craig Council. I love yeah. it. You remember Craig Council? He had his bat like way high up in the air. I was a big uh, – Sheffield was always my go-to. I would do that. I always did – Tony Batista had the wide open stance. I loved doing the Tony Batista. I, I could never do Griffey because I'm not left-handed. Well, and it's, you just can't make you a can't swing make look it that, that pretty. Yeah. One of my buddies could do it. Danny could do it actually really well. I would do the the Dante Bichette when he would hit a home run. He immediately like did his hands like like he was undoing his batting gloves. <laughs> that was very cool. I like doing that. But but Sheffield was always the easiest one because he had a, just a cool swing and he did kind of like the Sosa hop before the Sosa hop was cool. Yeah. God, Sheffield was a beast. I loved him. Texture says uh, I agree with you. The only thing the thing is only the superstars in Japan come to the U.S. and for the most part they are superstars in the U.S. too. The replacement level players are similar to the replacement level players in the MLB, but they stay in Japan. There is an assumption that because only a small percentage of MLBers are Japanese, they aren't as good in the U- as the U.S. I think you also, I mean, you see like every now and then, I mean, Trevor Bauer goes over to Japan and just gets shelled. Like, like he just sucked. And you can say it's because his head wasn't in the right space, but I mean, he he was pretty dominant here before he got suspended and he went over there and he was just a average pitcher uh, abroad. So I think, that, I think there's something to it. Texture says, tell Scoots, don't tell us what matters to Louisville fans. Uh-oh. I mean, I have to talk, y'all. That's, like, <laughs> that's what I'm paid here to do. Texture says, big dumps, the other just, O-face. Just throwing some suggestions out. Texture says, I wonder if this Benz was any relation to Larry Benz. I don't believe so. I think they're from different areas. Texture says, UofL has lost millions due to the FBI scandal. The NCAA needs to be sued to pay back that money to UofL. The thing is that you can't put a – I mean, I agree. Like, UofL has – in the city of Louisville, we've lost ticket sales. We've lost, you know, business around the the, the KFC Yum Center. You can make it a case that we've lost fans. I mean, I, I think that let's say that Louisville basketball was rolling from 2017 up until now. That's a six-year period of time. You have a kid who goes from fourth grade to to what, like freshman year of high school. It's very different if you have those great memories of the cards playing deep into March and winning conference titles and going to final fours and all that stuff. Then having to hear your dad talk about, well, they can't play in the tournament because they had some strippers do stuff with, with recruits. Like it, it's been a bad time to be a, a kid in your formative sports years following Louisville basketball. And I do think that that's going to hurt Louisville 20 years from now when we look back and we're like, man, the fandom's kind of falling off. I feel like kids in their twenties and thirties don't care as much as we did. This is going to be part of the reason why. So, but I don't think you can put a monetary value on that. It, it'd be tough to sue for that. Um, I don't know. But at the same time, on the flip side of that, if Louisville has any semblance of success in the next 15, 20 years, their, their minds will be flipped. And they'll hopefully be lifelong Louisville fans, you know? Texas, which happens first? Louisville basketball makes the Final Four or Louisville football makes the CFP? Well, with CFP going to 12, that's I'm going to say Louisville football. Yeah, I mean, if this were even right now with the programs being totally different, in totally different places. If the football team, if the football playoff was just four teams, I would lean towards Louisville basketball. I mean, football, it's so hard to break through. But with the football expanding to 12, I kind of think football, mm-hmm. uh, which which feels so weird to say. But, I mean, Jeff Brom. Texas Star says, I'm a lawyer. I think we can get very little in actual damages, but punitive damages could be a fair amount. It, yeah, Texas businesses are gone because of the BLM riots, not because of UofL being bad. That's not true at all. 
Dexter says, Mike, Trevor Bauer has absolutely shoved in Japan. Has he? The last I saw, he like got sent down to like their minor league system and was getting just roped. In Japan? Jeez. That's, that's the last I heard. Maybe I'm wrong about it. Maybe his, that was just a, a tidbit that's been wrong. Texas, we need Brandon Huntley Hatfield to take a massive step like Mike took a massive dump after the show yesterday. <laughs> Look, guys, it felt great. It was a fantastic. I left here very, much happier than I came in. I'm so sorry I opened that door for you. I'm fine with it. It was great. <laughs> I had a good time in there. I did use the women's room. Oh, I left that part out. I didn't throw you under the bus like that. It's so much cleaner than the men's room. Yeah. When, when I have had to deuce here, I always go to the women's room. There's, there's like one woman who works there. I'm not using it. I see two. Oh, yeah, there, there are two. She, she's here more often. I haven't seen Debbie. I've seen Debbie like twice. since. She's I've been, been working weird hours. Never hear those words. <laughs> Texas, I'm getting my fandom strength to ride with this men's basketball team, but if it goes off the rails again, I'm turning into Randy Quaid in Major League Two. I'm uh, look, I'm trying. I, I am very much having an open mind. I I mean, I've I've shared all I'm doing is what I did last year. Like last year, I came in with an open mind. I was like, I don't think this is going to go well. I think they're going to be a team that wins about the same number of games as they did the year before. I think 13, 14, 15 wins, and people were furious at me for saying that. And then we won four, and somehow like you know. I, I was still the bad guy for coming back and being like, I don't, I think they're going to win 13, 14, 15 games again this year. That's kind of my expectation. Um, I'm hoping it's better. I hoped it was better last year. We'll find out. Like, but like, you know, we won a game last night by 41 points. That's, I'm not going to be that mad about it. I think there was stuff to nitpick, but I'm not going to do the, I, I just don't think there's a grandiose take to be taken away from it, good or bad. It's Simmons College on October 18th. It's good that they won by 41. It's bad that they had 22 turnovers. It's good that they hit eight threes. I don't think any of it really matters in the grand scheme of things. My expectations, my opinions of this team have not changed based on what I saw last night. Picture says, oh, no, Scoots prefers Tom Crean over Mick Cronin. WTF is wrong with him. That's shady. I didn't say anything about that. Did you see Crean last night? Was he, This morning he was breaking down Louisville videotape? No, was he? Yeah. <laughs> he, Tom Crean's in the lab. He's taking his new job very seriously. He had a he took a picture of the Simmons College replay on his laptop and said, "Studying Louisville men's basketball from their game last night with Simmons, I'm pulling for Coach Kenny Payne to get this turned this season. You can see that he's building accountability and aggressiveness. College basketball is better when Louisville is better." And I saw that and I was like, "I don't know if I like or don't like this. I don't know how to feel about this." Tom Crane, first of all, Tom Crane wanted the job here, but it didn't happen. Not going to happen. But. Tom Crean saying, you know, trying to give props to Kenny Payne. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Texter says, I just laughed out loud big time in the middle of a customer's house that I'm working in when you said Louisville wouldn't hire a head coach that has only had one good season. I meant now. I, 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 I meant now. I didn't mean, clearly we didn't do it the last time. I meant now with the NCAA stuff gone and in a different time. Texter says, what happens if we lose to UMBC? Here we go again. If we lose to UMBC, I mean, I, I don't think it's a, like, people will be like, you can't say the sky's falling. I don't think it'll be an overreaction to say the sky's falling. You could do that last year a little bit. I thought it was silly when people tried to downplay the loss to Bellarmine. Uh, there were people actually giving the take that we could have beaten Bellarmine if we wanted to, but Kenny Payne was trying to teach the team a lesson <laughs> about not using their size. I was like, guys, we could not... <laughs> I don't know what you were watching, but that was it, it was bad. If we lose to UMBC, who had a bad year last year and who's not going to be much better this year, it will be a very much an indication that things are going to go poorly this year. 
Texas says, I always assumed that went down yonder on the Chattahoochee was a euphemism for a word that rhymes with it. Possibly. Yeah, knowing those lyrics now, maybe so. Yeah, we did look up what grape snow cone means during the, the break a couple of last hour. I did not know that. Well, you got to throw the burger in with it, too. Because you looked up just the grape snow cone, and that's pretty vulgar. Well, what's burger's just a burger, right? Well, if the two combined, combined for something. Because that's how I looked it up. I looked it up, burger and a snow a grape snow cone. I just looked up what a grape snow cone is. Yeah, which is a euphemism for pretty, pretty disturbing male oral sex, to put it as plainly as possible. That was crass. I don't know what a what a what a burger. I don't know what the burger is. In the I case. think you're thinking too deep into it. Am I? Just the combination. Hold on. Now I'm seeing what the burger represents. I'm going to <laughs> Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Why isn't this not working? It won't let me go to the site. I don't know what the I, I have to know what the burger represents. Are you on the WJIE website? They probably don't. Or web the internet. Wi-Fi? Yeah. yeah, it's not letting me go there. Just let me go to the damn site. Won't let you go to gambling sites either. I know. Trust me. I I I, I just try to like check odds, and it won't let me go there. I have the website reevaluated. Anyway, <laughs> I, I found it. I thought it was more of a wholesome song than it actually was. I thought when he settled for a burger and a grape snow cone, it was quite literally a, a nice little uh, nice little dinner. Texter says, we got so bleeped by the NCA with the Patino situation, we had to build, we, we have to build up a ton of good karma. Optimism Thursday. No. I mean, the NCA doesn't care about doing the right thing. We found that out firsthand. I mean, one of the very, one of the very few things that I remember from, from my, my legal time was, I don't even know what she said. The attorney was like, the main tagline when you have somebody in trouble, nobody talks, everybody walks. That was the, he's like, that's what I tell people. Nobody talks, everybody walks. We talked. We, we, we talked to the NCA. We found out there's something going on. We went right to the NCA. We did what we were supposed to do, and we got hammered for it. If we had just denied, 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 done the North Carolina thing, things would have been a lot better for us. The NCA has given no incentive for its member institutions to ever do the, the quote-unquote right thing and work with them hand-in-hand. Because they just destroy you if you do it. So I, I don't care about building up good karma with the NCA. I know that you know that was Josh Hurd's reaction when we put up the the 2013 ranked number one in the final polls banner, and people were like, "This is put up the net, put up the championship banner." And Josh Hurd was like, "You know, there was wrongdoing that took place here. We still have to stay on the right side of the NCA." I'm kind of like, "Why? Like, 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 why is what is being on the right side with the NCA ever gotten us? Like, they're just." It, it does no good. I don't care if we just middle. I don't care if we wear uniforms that are just the, the giant middle finger with the NCA's name next to it for an entire season. Do it. I don't care. Well, I mean, what are they going to do? Take away the four wins from last year because you put the banner back up? Exactly. Exactly. Texas says Tom Crean flipped us off at Freedom Hall after a game. He's a douche. I think that was. That was I think you're thinking of Mike Dean, also a Marquette coach who did flip us off. Tom Crean would not flip anyone off. Crean got into it with the fans a couple of times. He did the the one thing that he did that I still will never forgive him is and this was at the height of like the Louisville Marquette rivalry when Crane to his credit he came into Conference USA and he was the one coach in that league who was not afraid of Rick Patino and he got the better of Patino more times than not for those first like four or five years but there was a in 2003 we beat them in a, in a crazy game at their place when we were both in the top ten Reese Gaines hits a crazy shot um, to to match the three to to win the game basically 
they come here and beat us in Freedom Hall. But Ellis Miles tears his ACL at the end of the game, and he's like screaming in pain. And Crane is screaming. He's faking. He's faking. He's faking. And Miles, I mean, tore his ACL, missed that year and the whole next year, came back for the 05 Final Four team. Now, I, I think Crane did go out of his way to apologize to him, but it was a it was just a crappy move. And yeah. he was he was caught up in the heat of the moment. But I was, you know, he, he wasn't faking. He was screaming. It's Ellis Miles. He's he's from Compton for God's sake. He's not going to lie down and fake an injury. Jeez. Texture says. I can't read that. Texture says, the Patino era was really bookended by NCAA absurdities from Lachigay and Marvin Stone to the FBI farce. Please don't tell me that there weren't people out to ruin Patino in Louisville. The, I mean, yeah, the, the Lachigay stuff was, was was silly. Was that, I mean, I feel like that was the very end of the Crumb era. Am I wrong? That that's what started the Patino era? Marvin Stone, I know, was, was the Patino era, and he ended up being, he had a great game against, against Kentucky. That was fun but ended up not being quite as good as we would have liked him to be. Texas says the loss uh, on Saturday falls on TK. If he would have just finished the salad, it, the magic's wearing off now. He needs to eat another salad for the second half of the season. <laughs> Y'all are pressing your luck. There may be something to that. Texas, are you telling me that my mom wouldn't let me listen to Pony by Genuine, but she could blast Chattahoochee? That's BS. That is pretty funny. The problem with Pony, Pony was was just... It was too explicit. They say the word "horny" in the in the, in the phrase in the in the, the the refrain. You can't do that. But I love Pony. But I bet your parents let you listen to "Let's Talk About Sex." Uh, Salt and Pepper. I was a little too young for that. Like when that song came out, I think I was. Yeah, okay. I remember listening to that song as a kid. Didn't know. I remember it, it being. Didn't out. know what it was, but I remember. I remember it being talked about for sure. The burger represents oh the vagina. Okay, cool. There you go. That makes no sense, though. He's trying to sleep with her. She says no. I was willing, but she wasn't ready. He's not. If you said you settle for the burger and a grape snow cone, it doesn't even make sense. Doesn't no. The snow cone part does, but you throw the that if that's what the burger means, then then I'm taking it back. I'm more confused than when we started. I am too. <laughs> the snow cone makes sense. Texture says, uh, "Regard." Oh, this is a long text. Um, Besides the obvious gaffe in the post game, I think last night's pressure for KP was one of his best. I agree. He actually broke down some of the things and gave us more than normal. He was very hard on BHH, BHH and to a lesser extent Manny, saying that they should be dominating and that needs to happen early. He knows if the lights come on for Dennis later in the season that this is going to be a major step forward. He's been talking about Dennis since uh, since then. I, I, regardless of what happens in season, this is a long time. I'm going to have to skip a little bit of this. I commend KP and this staff on this freshman class. It's just Simmons College, but the way that they move on the court and their abilities shine, and they show that they belong here. I agree. They they looked better last night. I don't think many people are arguing that this isn't going to be an improved season. I think people are arguing that the improvement is not going to be enough to justify a third year. Again, I've guaranteed that they're going to win at least five games this season. It's a Mike Rutherford guarantee, damn it. They're winning at least five games. Texas, my parents... Let me listen to Too Close by Next, and they are definitely talking about an erection at the beginning of the song. That's the whole song, is you're dancing with a girl and you get a boner. That's the, I mean, we listened to that at Mixers, and I was like, this is, I feel awkward dancing to this, but <laughs> there it is. Uh, Scoots, we got some action tonight. As mentioned, we've got uh, college football and we've got NFL, and I think we, one MLB game. Uh, college football tonight, we'll pick one game. We get both MLB games. We One's have, actually going on right now. Oh, is or, uh, No. Yeah. They started at 507. Is it really? Yeah. Diamondbacks, Phillies. I totally forgot. You, you you let me know that the Diamondbacks' uh, lowest price ticket was nine dollars after the Phillies' lowest price ticket was like two hundred. Uh, yeah, one forty. Yeah, 
Uh, so we'll pick the, the, the college football game of the night is 7 o'clock on ESPN. James Madison, unbeaten, 6-0 and overall, 3-0 and in the Sun Belt, on the road, taking on Marshall, 4-2 and and 1-1 and in the Sun Belt. JMU is a 4.5-point road favorite. Scoots, who you got? I'm going to roll with James Madison here. 6.5 was their number last week. It was not nearly enough. I think that's the same case here tonight. How about this? Marshall, straight up. Ruining wow. The, ruining the perfect season. Wow. Thunder and Hurd taking down the James Madison Dukes. Maybe the the shock of not being allowed to play in the postseason is just too much for them to shake off. They can't get it done. Astros Rangers. We got Phillies Diamondbacks going on right now in mid second. Astros Rangers tonight at eight oh three. Texas leads the series two one. We were both wrong about last night. Strohs get on the winning side with an eight to five victory tonight. Do they even the series at two? Eight oh three first pitch on FS one. I say no. I'm rolling with the Rangers tonight. I'm going Strohs tonight. I think, I think the Strohs get there. The Rangers take the next two, and then it's a 4-2 final, and the Rangers are moving on to the World Series. But I think the Strohs, they just won't die. You have to stab them in the brain. Mm-hmm. It's what they do. And then tonight in the NFL, it's another prime Thursday. We've got the Jaguars on the road taking on the Saints. 8-15 kickoff on prime video. Saints are a two-point home favorite. Scoot, who you like? I like the Saints here. Trevor Lawrence, injury with his knee. They're questionable. I think he does play, but his mobility will be something to watch. So I think Saints get it done. I'm with you here. I think the Saints win. Saints cover. Everyone has a profitable Thursday night. All right. Scoots, big thanks to you for the last three days. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Chopping it up, of course. We'll have Gary in here tomorrow. Also, also uh, Matt McGavick from Louisville Report will be sitting in with me. Should be a fun three hours. I'm sure we'll talk about some of the same stuff that we got into today and, and get ready for, for bye weekend across college football. Also, Trevor will be sending in his Big X Big Bets of the weekend and his picks for the Pick'em segment. So that'll be fun. Everyone have a fantastic Thursday night. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I've seen